0: I think I should call this meeting. All right, uh, shall, we, shall we have a roll call for the Allergan uh, Health System Board of Trustees meeting July 26th? Trustee
1: DeVries. I'm here. Trustee Banerjee. Here. here. Trustee Hernandez. Here. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Charland is absent. Trustee Jensen. Here. And Trustee Sheiklin. Here. <laughs> we have a quorum. Excellent. I believe
0: our first item our our public comment, and I don't have any speaker cards in front of me, but I know that I have some coming, right? All right, okay. So uh, just in in an effort to be a little more efficient with time, uh, we're, one, we're encouraging people that are actually here to speak on an item to uh, be able to speak on that item, but I recognize that a lot of people like to just come and speak at open forum. we're, um, we're going to limit the first session of open forum to 15 minutes, just so that we can get on with the board business, and normally it's three minutes per speaker, so that would be five speakers, but if we have more, which we obviously do, uh, I'm going to actually limit speakers uh, down um, to, to two minutes, and those that can't speak in this front section will have to speak at the end of, at the, end of the mini after we conduct business, so I apologize uh, if that's confusing. Um, I'm going to call off the first uh, the speakers, it's uh, Craig Smith. Uh, Angela Smith um, Arnold Brillinger and John Pearson in that in that order. It'd be great.
2: Hello, good
3: afternoon. Uh, my name is Craig Smith. I work in the Food and Nutrition Department. And I just wanted to take a minute just to thank you guys, the board, and thank the membership. And thank AHS as a whole for allowing us to uh, donate our PTO to Ansar who's going through a real tough time right now. <coughs> um, it just shows um, unionship and camaraderie and uh, community, community within the um, hospital. and again i want to thank you
4: guys so thank you thank you
5: good afternoon everyone given honor to god it's an honor to stand here in behalf of my friend ansar Muhammad. Um, i work in dietary i i am a sanitation person um, We as a family that prays together, stays together. I and the family appreciate all the donations, all the love, all the support that you guys have given us in the time of our bereavement. Um, It's just an honor just to stand here, just to lift up the Lord's name, because if it wasn't for him by our side, where will we be today? Thank you. Thank you, Arnold.
6: can you hand him the mic? Sure. I'll give it
7: to you. Please thank YOU. Hello, board trustees. I'm I love here you. from Park. Bridge, and as many of you know, I come here often, and I just want to say that we have many of the staff that we have there have put in many years of service. And now, when we talk about the staff though, we can describe them as overworked, tired, and underpaid, and many are leaving or have left with few replacements coming on. When I talk about overworked, now that we're a rehab center, we get more youngers and alert to residents with many more needs. Add ons is when someone doesn't show up and you've got to divide all of, them, all of his patients among everybody else. And in the morning, the CNAs, instead of having seven or eight, sometimes have nine, ten, or more. And it's worse on, on weekends. Now, as far as being tired, the nurses and CNAs, many of them work doubles back-to-back, sometimes three and four days straight. And being for being underpaid, the cost of living in the Bay Area is crazy. <laughs> but AHS seems to be cutting back. Newly hired pre- people don't return. They're there one day, and say, I've had it, I can't take this, the work is too hard, the expectations are too much for the pay. And so when we talk about being overworked, tired, and underpaid, they get angry for being unfairly taken advantage of. So in retaliation, they call in and call off. And the cycle is only continued but, and also exasperated. They can't talk, or they don't talk up because they're scared of retribution. Overworked, tired, and underpaid affects quality of care and quality of life. That's why I'm here. Grumpy, tired workers with attitudes. Thank you, Arnold. If I
0: could continue. I'm um, uh, really trying to get as many speakers through here and I, you know, we've heard from you a lot. And we've actually made strides to improve uh, conditions where you are and, and I, I, I know you'll be back to tell us more in September. Um, know that we're, we track it very carefully and uh, thank you.
7: Okay, I, I'm sure that you're aware of these things. But I figured if a resident comes by, it may have a little bit more polar push or whatever it needs. It does.
0: It does. Thank you. Trust Thank me. You. It, it impacted our, our our contract work last time around and it, it will in the future as well. Thank you. John?
4: Thank you. Uh, John Pearson, uh, chapter president of SEAU 10 to 1's AHS chapter, representing about 3,000 employees here at AHS. Um, Uh, I wanted to tell you very briefly um, that the respiratory therapist that you've heard from who submitted a long list of problems all affecting patient care including things like horrible chronic understaffing, uh, no plan whatsoever to cover breaks, patients that need airway help uh, to breathe waiting for long, long periods of time, um, and retaliation including getting banished uh, from Highland to Fairmont or vice versa for speaking up about these things. None of their complaints have been addressed, and in fact, we've seen retaliation, uh, some of it immediately after them speaking at the Board of Trustees meeting. Um, I also wanna bring up what we see uh, as uh, a theme uh, among lots of recent changes uh, in AHS, throwing up lots of obstructions to a positive relationship with the union. Um, We're very concerned, we wanna have a positive working relationship with AHS, but we're seeing a tone being set now where it seems like AHS doesn't want to work with us.
0: Thank you. Um, I have uh, Soraya O'Sullivan, uh, Betty Best, Gloria, uh, Gloria Anderson, and uh, Haley Dargan.
8: Hi, I'm Soraya O'Sullivan. I'm an RN and a shop steward, and recently I've been working with the EVS department at Highland and I'm very concerned with what's going on in that department. It's a department I feel is on the verge of imploding. We filed many, many, many grievances, not just myself, but other stewards, with absolutely no response from management, not even a reply to our emails. We scheduled three meetings with workers in the last week, and we heard the same stories over and over again. They had a bid for shifts and and areas, and Upon that being uh, put in place, management immediately broke that. Uh, People are not working the areas of their shifts that they're supposed to be working. They are consistently short-staffed, they have no resources. There is retaliation from management for speaking out. In fact, again, there was some immediately after even meeting with the union to discuss department issues. These workers work hard. They are the front line for infection control in the hospital and they are important. They're integral to this hospital. They need to be supported. They need to have true leaders, not managers who are choosing their friends for positions and privileges. They need leaders. They need to be supported and they need to have resources. Thanks.
0: Thank you.
9: Hello, my name is Betty,
5: and I'm an EVS worker, and I'm here to talk about um, training that I have not had the proper training in EVS when I started here. I've been here July the 17th of the year. I met Mr. Devecchio at that time when I wasn't properly trained to go in a cap lab room or OR room, and he had me removed out of that department. That was the Cape Building. And ever since then, I had had problems with my supervisor. So therefore, it's a retaliation, which is the truth, bullying in my department. And I just feel that management needs to make some changes in our department. Because it's not getting better, it's getting worse. So I'm just here to see can we get this um, problem resolved. Thank you.
10: Thank you. Hi, good, uh, good afternoon, uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Glory Anderson, and I work with the EVF department. I've been here for 11 years. So uh, my topic right now is for the workload that we carry, because sometimes the management, I mean, like supervisors, will make things a little bit uh, difficult for us. We have three shifts, morning, PM, and graveyard. So, when we come in the morning, like we, I work in the morning at when I come, something that morning shift supposed to do is not done because they move the morning shift to another area. In that case, they leave the other area. That when the PM shift comes, that place will be open, empty. Nobody goes to come there to go and do the job. And then when the PM shift comes, they know that you start from the beginning that the morning shift supposed to take it then you start from the beginning to the end. And it's too much for one person and a workload that is very heavy. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you can only do the very best that you can do. But you cannot be um, like a, a, a machine. And then if you have a big a whole floor, like I work on the third floor, the whole floor, before it was two people, now it's one person. And then on top of that, they would move somebody that's supposed to walk in the morning and send it to another area, which is another floor, and then they leave that uh, the floor for more uh, PM shift. Nothing is done, they, they, uh, the nurses, the trash, the linen, everything will be filled up, and to start with, when you come in already uh, uh, messed up your, your mind. You go here, you do this, they're calling you from here and left and right. So in that case, if there's any way that they can do so get the work load, and somebody should be at least that area should be two people, so that nobody can walk and then you go, you can't even go home and do something else, and then you don't feel like coming back in the next day because the work is too much load for you, for us. Thank you so much, and that's all I have to say. Thank you, and thank you. For-
11: My name is Hallie Derrigan. I'm a nurse here at Highland Hospital, and I came today to talk on behalf of the seventh floor nurses. Um, as many of you know, we've come here multiple times to talk about missed breaks and how we weren't getting breaks, and that that's something that we're working on. It is improving. It's not completely fixed, but thank you for your support. Um, but, And we, we won a settlement to get paid for missed breaks, hopefully, so that it would not continue to happen. However, on the seventh floor, Um, Rendy Solis denied every break payment for every employee just across the board and then she quit. And so we haven't been able to resolve that and nobody on the seventh floor has been paid. Um, The agreement said that we would be finished by December of last year. Um, It ended up going over into April for most employees but now we're in July and it still hasn't been resolved for the seventh floor so we really need help to figure that out for those people. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Danielle Weber, uh, Matei Echaniz, I hope I said that right, um, uh, Dream Chu, and Molly Allen.
12: Hello, my name is Danielle Weber. I'm a nurse um, in the Interventional Short Stay Unit here at Highland. My director is Heather Duke. We have very recently went from a 24-7 unit to a unit that is placed on call starting Friday evening at 7 p.m. until Monday morning at 7 a.m. For the period that we are on call through the entire weekend, we have not been provided with a break-relief person. Um, And assuming that we would be at home on call and not called in, this is understandable. However, we're very often called in and working 12-hour shifts um, without any break-relief provided. We had uh, until recently been filling out the missed break forms and received an email from Heather stating that we were not to do this as we were not entitled to the missed breaks um, because we were called back with premium pay. So we <coughs> would like to have this issue looked into so that we can make sure that we are, if not being pro- provided break relief, we are at least being compensated for the missed breaks that we do not get.
6: And that is it. Thank you.
12: Thank you.
13: Good afternoon, um, it's my day John John's, but was an awesome try. Um, uh, thank you for listening to us and I support everybody who spoke before us. It seems like we do hard work here and we respect the patients and I hope that we get the same in return. Um, so I'm an occupational therapist here within Alameda Health System and I work throughout all of the different um, departments. You'll see here, we have many departments here. Um, Within the rehabilitation department, we have physical therapy services, occupational therapy services, and speech pathology services. Um, I wanted to express my disappointment. The most recent uh, contract agreement with the SEIU General Union and Alameda Health System agreed on a 5% wage increase for the physical therapy department. But unfortunately, it did not do the same for either the speech pathology department, nor did they do it for the occupational therapy department, which is a stark departure from community standards across the board throughout the country, as well as within AHS. Um, We've received uh, salary parity across the board for the most part for several years now. And so it was a big surprise to us, and we think that We deserve the same wage increase as our physical therapy counterparts because we do the same work. Um, Well, it's different scopes but it's all the same umbrella and we deserve the respect and honor for the teamwork that we all work hard to aspire in order to provide the best quality of care for our patients.
7: Thank you. Thank
14: you. Hi. I'm Dream. I'm an Occupational Therapist at Highland Hospital. Um, Salary parity for occupational therapy speech and physical therapy is industry standard according to current market compensation data um, at our sister facilities. So both OT and speech are required for discharge from acute care Two of three disciplines are needed to discharge to acute rehab and skilled nursing facilities, one of which is always occupational therapy. Um, We prevent readmissions and facilitate transitions to lower levels of care. And as OTs, our profession is patient-centered and holistic as we consider if the patients are able to both physically care for themselves and if they can cognitively adhere to their managing of their health following discharge. So this is how we play a critical role um, during, you know, quote triages um, surge reds, like, you know, like physical therapy, occupational therapy also provides seven day coverage in acute care, so really the responsibilities are the same for all three disciplines. Um, our goal is to have a AHS returned to parity amongst all three disciplines as it was in the past. And we believe that um, the return in parity would demonstrate that AHS values our role um, in patient care needs, as well as the financial impact that our disciplines contribute by reducing risk of readmissions. So, yeah, thank you. We look forward to meeting with you guys um, and kind of further discuss next steps. Thank you.
15: Thanks. Hi, my name is Molly. I'm an occupational therapist here at Highland. Um, I started about three and a half years ago when our department was very new. Um, we've always had equal parity with physical therapy and speech therapy. There are three disciplines in the acute care setting that help transition patients into the next level of care. And uh, as an occupational therapist, I've worked in many different facilities over my 15-year career as an as a occupational therapist, and there's always been equal pay between OTPT and speech. Um, part of the problem, I feel, is that we, are, we were misrepresented during uh, negotiations, as well as I think there's a lack of understanding uh, of our scope of practice and what occupational therapy does. I think that's part of... Um, the, the, just the lack of understanding about what our scope of practice does. But equally, we evaluate patients for global assessment of functioning, both cognitively, visually, uh, uh, biomechanically, and we contribute a lot to the interdisciplinary team to help move patients along, and length of stay, and collaborate with families and all team members to really help our patients achieve the best. Next step in our level of care. So our goal is to have equal parity to the physical therapy department's um, rate of pay, and we feel like we deserve it. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Uh, so I've got seven folks left. Uh, is it? Are, I'm just going to ask: are, are you all coming to speak about occupational therapy? No. And no. speech. And, therapy. and And speech and therapy. Speech I'm sorry. Uh, If we can, uh, I want to let you all speak so that you can go home, so that we can get on with our business. But I want to, like, if we can keep it really focused, I just would appreciate it. Just for the sake of of the board not being here until 10 or 11 o'clock, because we often are. So I've got uh, Megan Dodge, uh, Vanna Nix, Laura Leventhal, uh, Jesse Truppiano, uh, Wendy Chalam, Monica Carson, and Stacy Lee. And just, yeah, just try to be as so, 50 is
15: possible. Uh, my name is Megan. I'm an occupational therapist here at Highland. And I just wanted to emphasize some of the points that my other colleagues have been and will be making. Um, one, that's similar to physical therapists. Occupational therapists provide coverage seven days a week at the hospital. We answer the same amount of orders as a physical therapist, but with half the staff. Uh, we respond to surge reds to help mobilize patients to a safe environment that matches their functional abilities. And while PT ensures that people can physically walk out of the hospital, we make sure they can manage their lives once they're gone to help prevent readmissions.
10: Thank you.
16: Thank you. Um, hello. Good afternoon. Um, thank you for this opportunity to speak and I will speed it up as fast as I can but uh, I am a person who stutters so sometimes it's hard to predict when the stuttering blocks come or how long they last but who knows I may be fluent at this time. Um, so my name is Bonna Nix and I'm proud to be AHS's first full-time speech pathologist here back in 2000. Um, in addition to patient care, I was responsible for building the speech pathology program here at Highland Hospital. So I do know a, a long history of salary parity here. I'm also here to express my deep disappointment that speech and OT departments were not given the same raise as physical therapy. We feel that it's important to appeal this decision um, because as you have heard, OT and speech play a critical role in timely discharge in acute care our um, contributions does reduce the length of stay in addition to swallowing, which is my main caseload. I do, um, we, um, there's actually, I'm the only full-time and we have one um, three days a week, um, a speech pathologist here. Uh, we do swallowing evaluations, cognitive language evaluations, motor speech disorders, and as, voice, as well as voice disorders. Um, it's also very important to note that speech pathologists are the only discipline who work with ICU patients with swallowing deficits. These patients are at risk of aspiration, especially after excavation or removal of breathing tubes. So they're in very critical medical state. Um, there are patients who are unable to receive medication through IV, and our swallowing evaluations help determine whether they can safely consume medication necessary to um, be moved to a lower level of care. We, while um, surprised that management did not agree with our position, we do look forward to continuing a, a conversation around this issue. We would request that management engage us in further discussion so we can get a better understanding of how to more effectively communicate the rationale For pay parity between speech pathology, occupational therapy, and physical therapy departments. I thank you sincerely, and we look forward to being in touch on this very important mission. Thank you.
9: Hi, my name is Lara Leventhal. I'm an occupational therapist. Uh, I'm here to represent the acute rehab at Fairmont. we're all united clearly in asking for a return to parity as has been the history uh, as far as I've known at AHS. But I think it's a really crucial for you guys to understand the critical role that OT and speech play, especially in the, the acute rehab unit. Um, the acute rehab unit couldn't function at all with physical therapy alone. Um, its requirement, Medicare guidelines Uh, for admission and for reimbursement for acute rehab that patients must qualify for at least two of the three therapies Um, and they have to receive a minimum of three hours of treatment five days a week we all work together as a team in equal parts to make that happen. Um, Just to highlight something um, Delvecchio Finley mentioned yesterday at Forum that AHS has um, Sorry, has an investment in increasing patient volume and improving the throughput of patients into our community as sound fiscal uh, stewardship. Um, We feel that the return to parity would demonstrate that AHS values our credentials, our expertise, our role in the patient care needs, and um, our contributions to to AHS's financial goals as well. Thank you. My name is
17: Jessie. Um, I'm an occupational therapist here in Alameda Health System. Um, I've worked for the past three years um, at John George and now I uh, currently work at Highland for the past eight months. So I'm here on behalf of my John George colleagues um, after I've been working there for three years. I've had the experience of being able to see the importance of occupational therapy across this health system and why it is so crucial to have parity among all the therapies. Um, At John George, Occupational therapy is the primary rehabilitative service there. They provide groups daily, multiple groups a day, that focus on wellness um, and recovery, and also assessing cognitive functioning to see if patients are ready for discharge, which really expedites the process of discharges in John George, which has a high volume of patients. Um, And they're the only, really, therapy that we've been talking about that's there, Um, so that's why I think it's very important that we have parity um, and that OT plays such a crucial role at John George um, for therapy for our patients. Thank you.
11: Uh, my name is
18: Wendy. I'm a speech therapist at um, Fairmont and rehab and I've been working at AHS for about 11 years. And I just wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the reasons for that we believe in the pay parity. Um, in acute rehab, OT and speech are involved in determining if a patient's cognitive and functional <coughs> levels are safe enough to return home outside of general motor skills and ambulatory level. OT and speech are responsible for the majority of the FIM measures, um, which are required for insurance reimbursement, and speeches are the only therapists that complete swallow evaluations. All the current positions for OT, speech, and PT have advanced clinical degree requirements. All, different, all disciplines work collectively to achieve CARF accreditation, and each of our unique specialties allows synthesis of skills needed for patients to achieve optimal quality of life. Thank you. Thank,
6: Thank you. you. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hello. Um, my name is Monica Carson, and I am a speech pathologist for our skilled nursing facility residence. As a speech pathologist, we evaluate and treat residents with swallowing problems and communication impairments. We help residents on trachs, with feeding tubes, with years sometimes, um, with years of nothing by mouth to eat and drink again. We provide communication systems to those who can't talk or make their wants and needs known. I work closely with occupational therapists and physical therapists as a team to help patients be more independent and so that they can discharge home or to boarding care. Each person makes an equal contribution to improving the quality of life and functional gains of our residents. We are deeply disappointed that our value is not reflected in our
17: salaries. Good afternoon, I'm Stacy Lee, and I work in Mm -hmm. outpatient speech pathology. Um, So our outpatient program is part of the continuum Mm -hmm. of care. Our occupational therapists and speech pathologists, along with the physical therapists, play unique and integral roles in the outpatient programs. We help patients transition home or to another lower level, like Gordon Care, uh, with their new disabilities. All of our departments take a diverse approach to provide high quality and cost-effective care. Um, but we wanna minimize the risk for readmission rate to, and also help integrate patients back in the community. Um, I have a patient, I have several patients that come back um, after they've been discharged and you know share about their successes. One in particular through the Department of Rehab when we signed him up has um, a job at the San Francisco Airport preparing food for airlines, and he is the happiest being. So it's a very valuable physician. Uh, I'm gonna close, and I know you can tell we're a very passionate bunch here, but we strongly believe that salary parity among our departments must continue. Revising the current contract and granting occupational therapists one and two and speech pathologists one and two, that 5% increase will allow H S to return to this long history of salary parity for the department. (coughs) So, as my colleagues mentioned, we did a market compensation analysis and looked at some of sister facilities in California. In San Mateo County, speech pathologists, physical therapists, and occupational therapists receive the same salary. In Contra Costa Health Services, Santa Clara Valley Medical Center, San Francisco Public Health, and Rancho Los Amigos, occupational therapists and physical therapists receive the same salary and speech pathologists get paid more. At AHS, we are simply asking for salary parity within rehab. Lastly, at yesterday's employee forum, our CEO, Dovecchio Finley, talked about the need to benchmark ourselves against other organizations. Community standards for our sister facilities either reflect salary parity or, as we found, speech pathologists are compensated more. So the question is, why are we the only organization that deviates from this?
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do want to say, as we, um, you know, we, we do listen to you, and we can't respond directly uh, during open forum, everyone knows that, but we do take it in and we do talk amongst ourselves. Um, as uh, my parents entered their late 80s, I've become increasingly aware of how important all of you are, um, having visited hospitals. And, <clears throat> watched my mom uh, recover from a stroke and my father recover from a fall and uh, all, all three therapies are absolutely vital so thank you for taking the time to come share with us and letting us connect with some of the people that are actually doing the work here at AHS. We really do appreciate that. Um, with that, I think we're done with our open session, our open forum. Um, I do want to say I did not know um, about Anwar Mohammed's relationship with them. That was Neil Wilson, uh, obviously, suffered a great tragedy. I didn't know that that had impacted our AHS family. And so um, I would like to close this meeting tonight in her honor um, and just have that reflected in the record. Um, and, and Thank you all, I really appreciate it.
15: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
19: staff reports. <coughs> Who's going first? Well, our MEC uh, met, uh, and... Uh, Dr. Drew, will you use the microphone. Sure. Our MEC uh, met, and uh, we uh, have s- always some concern uh, in uh, The proposed uh, operation division uh, changes under which uh, one uh, CAO and CME were providing uh, direct oversight over the acute care of the, uh, within the system. Uh, the, the two uh, concerns we had, three uh, concerns we had one, uh, it was a uh, lack of uh, collaboration between administration, and medical staff, and medical staff leaders uh, were not asked to, uh, provide input, uh, to the proposed uh, organizational, uh, changes. Uh, second, uh, there, there will be no longer be a local administrator with, vested uh, interest in the local facility. Uh, the ABC has significant concern that, uh, the needs of the, uh, of the facility, the, uh, at the facility level will not be addressed in a timely tiny manner. And the uh, potential loss of uh, our army to uh, at the community hospital, and uh, thirty, we think, would be a, a very difficult position to be effective and successful due to the need for this uh, administri- administrator to oversee all three uh, acute care facility as the chief uh, med- administrator and chief nursing uh, executive. And so we are uh, we requested that. Uh, Dr. Fink, uh, uh, Mr. of Finney, and Luis Canseca attend the cross-section of an upcoming MHC meeting to uh, clarify their vision uh, of uh, San Diego Hospital and role within the uh, health system, and to assert that uh, San Diego Hospital will uh, continue to function as an acute hospital. Okay.
20: No,
0: please
20: okay. go ahead. I, are you No, know, I'll, I'll wait till you know if you're reporting. Uh, yeah, that's the main concern. Oh, okay. that we have. So, thank you, Dr. Chu. Uh, um, I'll be more than happy as you well know, to to come and speak to the NBC. I'm, I'm as I know, is a routine practice. Um, uh, either the CAO uh, in the prior role or role, as well as our CMO routinely attend the NBC meetings. And my understanding is, well, uh, specifics of the plan were uh, discussed with the embassy that was uh, reference to the plan or the, uh, the, uh, the uh, telegraph direction or the changes that we were making in operations uh, previously we more than happy to come and talk more about the uh, the, uh, the specifics of the uh, plan um just a point of clarification uh, there is a local site administrator we created what we created is across all three acute sites. So, in addition to that CAOC and e role that you represent, uh, the nursing leader uh, role has been uh, evolved at the two community hospitals to be a VP now, a VP of patient care services, and the local site administrator for both of those uh, facilities. So, uh, there's structural changes in uh, the, uh, the reporting structure for some of the ancillary services and support services that support of that individual. Uh, but there is, in fact, uh, a local leader each site uh, and that role will be in the form of the VP uh, and patient care services. And we, uh, uh, the CEO, uh, CEO, met with uh, the clinical team uh, there as well as the rest of the staff and the CMO, as you know, has started having uh, meetings with the medical staff as well. So we're more than happy to uh, have continued dialogue about uh, the transitional plan and to uh, address any concerns you might have and the rest of the medical staff around uh, any unintended
19: adverse impact. Uh, just uh, yeah, um, I understand there's going to be a local uh, administrator, uh, a C, uh, a chief uh, nursing uh, executive, and that's going to be combined with uh, uh, the CEO of the hospital. No, slightly different.
20: There's a VP of patient care service, and then the yes. So that's a basically combined p- uh, position. Uh, that's correct. Uh, yes. In yeah. addition to then the CAO for all of the huge group
19: that those roles will to. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I guess, uh, our concern is that that's traditionally being a two-person uh, job that's uh, combined into one. I understand there is an oversight of uh, we, this.
20: It, that's, uh, that's only partially correct now. We, we uh, split the roles up into sort of three different uh, functions and so there were uh, roles that were created uh, to uh, cover some of those services in, say, uh, ancillary services. There's a CAO then who has oversight for all those uh, functions, and then the the patient care services role was elevated to actually have uh, additional oversight for, not just nursing, but some of the clinical functions. But we would be happy. I I think it's a little bit convoluted to try to walk through without looking at it, but Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, and I accept your invitation, uh, thank you, we'll be glad to come and talk to you about it. We'll be looking forward.
5: I I just wanted to clarify. I'm looking at um, a recent um, one of the org charts, and it has. I I wonder if this is the most recent one. I guess Uh, the one that's in the on board effect. It should be the one that's on board. The one that has the VP patient care services for Alameda San Leandro, separate for Highland, Alameda San Leandro, and the vice president for ancillary reporting to a A -A CAO, CNE for acute care. That's correct. And then that reports to the COO. That's correct. And then the, the other, I'm not seeing, then there's behavioral health that reports directly and um, post-acute that reports directly to COO. That's correct. Cool. Okay, so all of the acute facilities are under, under one, um, one um, CAO, CNE that reports up. And then all of the behavioral health and, and um, post-acute and um, are, are independent and report directly to Luis, right? They, uh, they,
20: those two roles are also CAO roles. Yes, number fourteen the CAO. Right.
0: Right. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. So um, those th- those positions, those people are in place already, correct? No, no, but they're tra- not. It's we're in, in transition process. right now. Yeah. yeah. I think it would be helpful with the current budget. Yeah, um, I think it would be helpful. Um, everything's great, obviously. It's a structure change. Um, it, it, it seems to make sense, but I think there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think having the, the meeting is great, um, especially when those people are in their role, because um, I think it's not necessarily a loss of local control, but a shifting of responsibilities that will hopefully strengthen the network. Absolutely, right? that's that totally the
20: goal. In, in addition to actually then elevating the uh, the uh, natural and I think uh, logical role of nursing and uh, inpatient acute uh, care services and the really, uh, 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 providing that uh, uh, co-equal co- uh, station to work with the physician leaders as well as then the uh, system-wide leaders to advance the care and the acute sites so We'll be happy. I, we don't have to wait until the wolves are killed. We're in a process okay. of recruiting for okay. those. We'll come to the next meeting and see talk to you okay. and, and I'm guessing you'd like that at Alameda as well? Yeah, so, um, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I assume a natural transition, right? So yeah, your
21: so at uh, Alameda Hospital, uh, we also had uh, similar concerns with the organizational change. I think um, there was the um, lack of collaboration. Before I proceed, I'd like to, there's a statement that the, um, the medical leadership wanted me to uh, you know, relate to the board by May. So the Medical Executive Committee of Alameda Hospital protests the repeated instances of Alameda Health System administration instituting major organizational and programmatic changes that affect clinical care at our hospital without dialogue, collaboration, or input from our medical staff leadership. There's been a total disregard of medical staff leadership in these organizational changes. And this pattern is demoralizing to the medical staff and counterproductive to creating best practice environment. I think um, we, the medical staff was really disappointed without um, uh, consultation, at least collaboration, with what was going to be proposed with the medical change, uh, with, the, with the organizational changes. On our last MEC meeting, unfortunately, none of the um, leadership was there to answer all these questions. Whether this structure would be appropriate for the hospital, and I'm sure, you know, with when um, executive leadership uh, thought of the structure, there, you know, these questions might have been asked. But you know, some. Concerns about this, this is going to be effective for um, for you know all three hospitals having one CAO and two nurse executive um, you know, managing all three sites and, and so the, the the logistics are you know one of their questions and and so with, with similar requests from from San Leandro we would like to have the, this conversation with um, Mr. Finley so we can check in our next meeting, uh, Similarly, we'd be more than happy to do it. Like, it just as a
20: point of uh, a sort of opportunity, I'd say that uh, while it's completely within your purview to uh, share with the, the board, the concerns of the medical staff, which I think are perfectly legitimate, uh, it, you can also share those with me sort of offline. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's an opportunity to address them in, uh, in, a, in a either proactive or responsive manner. Uh, so that it doesn't, uh, I, don't, I don't want you to uh, believe that you, or, or have the sense you are the medical staff that, that uh, you need the board's sort of impetus to have us be responsive to you. Uh, any sort of uh, concerns about uh, actions that are taken that appear to uh, uh, run afoul of or uh, be uh, 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 demoralizing to the medical staff is certainly concerning to me. And so uh, please feel free to uh, convey those to me when those are brought to your attention, and we'd be more than happy to work with you to, to be responsive to the needs of But uh, certainly we can share Just here as well.
1: So, some of these real questions happened after the departure of uh, Mr. James Jackson?
20: Uh, these would have been just when we made announcement, uh, so it's, so, yeah, well announcement.
1: So, so were, were there any um, representatives, medical or non medical, from? these hospitals, um, in, the, in the discussions that were happening in the ELT at that time, feedback mechanisms or something? No, there's not a
20: standard uh, uh, representation of the medical staff uh, at any one facility and the- No, s-
1: not medical staff, but just feedback from the local uh, sites in terms of like what, in, 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 uh, in the transition discussions that were happening. Uh, the transition out of the site CAO positions to this joint uh, VP quality as well as medical staff at the site level and all of that. When these discussions were happening, it was at the ELT level. Uh, Yes, that's correct. And and, and just as
20: a matter of course, we do normally have representation at the uh, Medical Executive Committee where this type of uh, (coughs) experience would occur. Uh, It sounds like uh, probably for a number, and there have been a number of uh, uh, it's a summer, so vacations and other sorts of things. And I imagine uh, uh, that, that the I, I don't know exactly when the last allocated uh, embassy was, but that would get had overlapping uh, leaves or over other conflicts after that prevented others from being there. But so that would be a form where we could uh, engage in some shared discussion around what's happening in the federal staff sure. yeah. I think one thing we heard at QPSC was that if there is any,
1: like, high-level administration person who's not able to make it for that to make
20: sure that there's some representation absolutely and I think as, as a routine course I at least I'm not aware of uh, a uh, 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 situation where we don't have at least one person but it sounds like it could occur time. this
5: Um so just to be to be very clear what the, the organizational change has has established is um, Previously, there was um, a nurse executive that reported directly to the CAO, and there was a COO that reported directly to the CEO. Uh, wait. The nurse yes, executive I'm reported to the CEO, and the, the, um, the COO reported to you as the CEO. That is correct, yes. And now there, and this was, and then the nurse, nursing staff at each site reported to the nurse executive? Is that correct? Uh, no, We're we are nurse switched. leader at the, each site reported to you. We
20: switched to last year that the nursing staff at the sites from an operations perspective
5: reported to the CAO. One, okay, so they reported to the CAO and the CAO reported to the, the COO yes. who reported to you. And now, now the nursing staff is going to report to a vice president of patient care services who will report to a CAO CME at the sites? Yes. Okay. So there's
20: another, it, it just appears like there's another another layer
5: in their reporting structure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's actually increasing, uh, you're, you're elevating. It's actually the same, but it's elevating, it's adding nursing. another
20: nursing leader yeah. uh, as, a, as a system uh, is. well, it's system-wide, but specifically for operational oversight for all of the units. So it enhances the reporting structure of uh, the, the nursing leaders at the site to another nursing leader as well. Who has operational oversight. Of
5: Does it impact the non-nursing reporting? We um, created,
20: a, or we established a role that uh, uh, um, now has oversight for ancillary services across the system. Uh, so there's a VP of ancillary services out, which is another role we've
5: established. And then again, at um, at John George and at Fairmont, there is no, there's a direct report to the CEO. Fairmont is a yeah. part of
20: the uh, post-acute uh, SBU. The CAO is overall post-acute, which includes Fairmont and all the SNPs. John yes. George is separate; it's the only behavioral health site. Doctor. Yeah.
21: So just a point of clarification. So previously, the chief nurse executive um, reported to the uh, CEO. That is and, and Well, we actually, see.
20: although before that, the CNE reported to the CEO. So that that was a, a a situation that existed for about two
21: and a half years. So um, before the change, the the nursing leadership of each local hospital at Alameda reported to to so uh, the CEO. I, I
20: I hate to do this in, uh, in this setting. Would be happy to go through in detail? But I'll answer your question uh, uh, just so we can keep the meeting moving along. Uh, about a year ago, prior to a year ago, for operations, the nursing le- leadership, while there were CAOs at the site, the nursing leadership reported to the C- chief nursing executive. We made a change uh, for day-to-day operations, uh, elevated the role of the CAOs, and we had the nurses report from all the acute sites to the CAO at that site for uh, day-to-day operations. Nursi- this chief nursing executive Continue to have oversight for the practice, uh, so overseeing competencies and and other functions to make sure that we were (laughs) responsive to uh, clinical standards from a nursing perspective in support of those nursing leadership efforts.
0: Well, you know, we'll be uh, be happy to to
20: discuss this (coughs) in greater detail.
22: Anyone else have other further questions? I might just um, suggest that in a year's time that uh, we sort of revisit how well the structure is working. I mean, I think part of that, uh, part of what you're hearing is uh, a process question uh, and in terms of the medical staff, each of the facilities didn't, I mean, weren't necessarily uh, involved in an early stage and it was, it was here's the new organizational structure and I think from the community hospital's perspectives, there, there used to be a single person that they reported to and, and it's easy to see how a CAO and a CAO and a CNE is now combined into one person that I think the perception is that they will lack access to someone at their facility to direct their inquiries to. That may not be the case, but I think that's the perception. Yeah, no, it
20: won't be the case. The case is at the local site, the VP of uh, Patient Care Services is that, that lead person will share that. And you're, just to acknowledge the point, that it is absolutely the case uh, that there isn't a, a, a robust amount and arguably a limited amount of uh, uh, medical staff participation in administrative uh, decisions in terms of how the, the uh, organizational operation or structure nor has it been in, in prior years as I'm sharing now we changed the nursing structure reporting and that was something that was a transparent uh, um, uh, decision in action that didn't impact anything from a day-to-day perspective less people would uh, uh, I, I suspect uh, wanted to know a little bit more about that or voice concerns about that. That was a fairly seamless transition uh, because it didn't impact day-to-day nursing care and uh, uh, nursing staffing. And I'm going to be that this will, this is a senior level sort of uh, reporting structure uh, uh, that we uh, believe we put in place the provisions to continue to provide appropriate access and oversight at a local level. But we'd be happy to talk about that. And to your point, uh, we'll always, not just on a nearest point, but always be looking at how is it working of that, based off the leadership that's a place and the of changes, et cetera. But thank you.
0: And uh, order changes can be confusing. So I actually appreciate this conversation. I think it actually kind of enlightens all of us a little bit. I mean, I, I know we had it. Sure. We have the overcharge in our in our library, and, and it makes sense. I I like the 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 uh, raising up of nurse leadership. I think that there was a, a need for that. I think you kind of responded to that across the system. I think it actually strengthens the network, but. But understandably, we need to keep kind of explaining it in, to ourselves as well. So yeah, I appreciate you guys bringing it forward, so that we can yeah have to continue this dialogue. I really do,
22: um, uh, Dr. Hearn, I think you're up. Um, um, my report is relatively brief. i spent a lot of time in QPSC talking about our our um, our red protocols, which we all agree are a little um, under uh, under some revision right now. Uh, it, it's been a very difficult uh, last few months, July in particular, I think our medicine teams have been um, remarkably uh, overworked with uh, their census loads and I think that all departments, we've now reinvigorated the throughput committee and we hope in the next month to be able to report back a lot of interesting and robust changes um, because at this point we sort of are in a search fatigue, like we're, we're like, oh, this, today's red as well and I think that that's been uh, it has been a challenge for morale for all providers it, at all levels, for nursing, for EBS, for physicians, at, at all levels sort of it's like another day that's in red. So I'm glad that we're, that, that process is being restarted. And this is a volume thing right now? Uh,
20: thing? It's volume, it's uh, uh, placement challenges, uh, it's uh, kind of a boost to things. Uh, I, believe, but I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate that in, the, in this situation, a, a very stressful situation for uh, all involved, I would say that people are uh, uh, being creative, working together, and uh, trying to improve mechanisms we had in place that had, I think, fairly reasonable uh, reliability, but you know, with some opportunity, no less. But this situation has really stressed it and taxed it, and people are uh, working together to try uh, to uh, get above this and, above this and beyond it, uh, but also to create you go on in these standards on so how we can not just be responsive to the surgery as we occur, but try to uh, prevent the likelihood that it occurred through some uh, changes in our practices. That ends the very part.
0: Great, any questions?
23: Right. Yeah, I wonder if, if uh, it wouldn't be too much trouble for Seth to give us a little more detailed in September when we come back around discharges
21: in Yes. Yeah. I have to give a little more flesh to that. Yes. Thank you. Anyone else?
0: All right. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> my report is going to be really brief. Um, really the one item I want to talk about is our board. Um, as you all know, we had two appointees that we recommended, or, or, or nominees, that we recommended to the Board of Supervisors um, to replace the outgoing uh, Trustee Lawrence. Um, and in the middle of that process, we also have the outgoing Trustee Thompson. Um, the, um, uh, the Board of Supervisors uh, has selected a third candidate um, that has not gone through our normal process that we've, uh, we've anticipated. Um, while a little bit uh, of a surprise, um, according to the bylaws and the agreements that we worked out with the Board, it does allow them to select um, at least one candidate without our um, input. Um, as opposed to just one Um, and so uh, uh, they the the person who's selected actually has a strong uh, financial background um, and the Health Committee uh, in an effort to uh, secure nine members on our board as we head into our September session uh, they've scheduled a special meeting uh, for this Monday to interview uh, all three of the candidates Uh, unfortunately Dr. Finch one of ours cannot attend but Dr. Bouquet is uh, um, offered to be there in his stead and to represent him uh, at the at the, the health committee, um, and I, I I'm uh, predicting that they will uh, likely appoint the, the Supervisor Carson's uh, pick as well as one of our two candidates, which will uh, allow us to operate with a full board uh, in in September because they have one more full board meeting uh, for, of their own before the recess, and so. Um, while uh, not entirely following the process that we uh, uh, hammered out a couple of years ago in 2016, um, I would say it's expedient and somewhat in the spirit of that process. And so um, we're going to uh, support it and, and hopefully uh, the chips
22: will fall and we'll have a full board and, and, uh, in September. Has that name been made public? Pardon me? Has candidate been candidate named? Uh, yes, uh, his name's Ross Peterson.
0: Uh, he's former okay. development and vice president Jim, for uh, development officer for telecare, uh, and also a former uh, employee in the, in the county auditor's office. So strong financial background, uh, and um, uh, and therefore, and, and there his his information is in the board of supervisors healthcare committee packet that was released uh, was posted. I think Friday. Post- I think it was finalized. It was finalized today. Yeah. So if you want to look, it's it's in there. It's in their packet, not not ours. Today. Um, yeah. Um, and that's really all I have.
5: Candidates um, at nine thirty.
0: Correct. My Correct. Is
23: at is Doney. Correct. Got you. Any questions, thoughts, comments? Uh, just a quick thought. Um, if the good doctor might express um, the opinion, which one of the board member that we need to um, be focused on culture diversity on the board, and they consider their the three candidates in front of them. They would consider the fact that. We have taken time to consider that Absolutely.
2: Uh, that will be brought forth. Uh, the, the search committee was very vigilant on this on this concept for our board. Uh, it has been expressed in the two candidates that we have interviewed and uh, we feel comfortable that that a that pick of either of them will give diversity the uh, expression of, of, of our of our voice and of the representation on this board. So I think that, that this uh, search committee is comfortable in either of those picks. Vis-a-vis
20: that's the question. Thank you. All right. So thank, you. thank you. Good evening, uh, everyone. Um, I uh, I've spent the entire day in my first session of Leadership Academy, at uh, uh, which I kind of brought this... Oh, that's yeah. oh. I was supposed to take this slide out. I was like, wait, I put the wrong version up here. I was getting a little worried. Sorry about that. Uh, I spent the uh, entire in uh, session one of uh, Leadership Academy, which is cohort six, uh, uh, which has uh, been a very successful effort that uh, we put in place last year. But, you know, support is one of the critical initiatives, and uh, I knew that it was a sort of two year endeavor as we. Uh, aim to get some uh, 200 uh, clinical and administrative leaders and uh, is, uh, one one of our physician leaders uh, in our session uh, this time. We've got positions in uh, other sessions in Ottawa. We do sort of a great session. We we're doing facility leadership. We uh, want a two-day session and those skills labs after that. So um, a little uh, um, mentally drained, but uh, right I'm here and so we're gonna keep going. Uh, uh, I will provide uh, an update as I do on the dashboard, which we, uh, as we normally do, post on the dashboard, on the uh, board effects uh, last week, so you can a chance to see that, hopefully. Uh, do a few system updates uh, uh, to let you know uh, some key things going on, uh, and then uh, give you the monthly epic update as, as I normally do too. Right, I do want to say, and I, I don't want to be repetitive, but I appreciate uh, um, right, Dr. Hearn mentioning uh, what's, what's Uh, the experience over the last month in particular, uh, with a little bit in June as well, in terms of the uh, overwhelming uh, census uh, experiences we've had here at Highland. Uh, We've had similar experiences at John George in the month of uh, July as well, and at P.S. in particular, uh, uh, I want to thank Dr. Triple and the team there for being uh, uh, supportive of the staff as they work through uh, those challenges, Um, uh, but also for being proactive. She's doing some outreach too. Uh, leaders in the county as well as other key facilities and trying to um, uh, be, um, uh, again, proactive and making sure that folks know what's happening at George so we're not just sort of taking it on our own, you Knowing the impact that has in our own system as well as in systems throughout the, uh, uh, the area and trying to figure out what are some of the drivers for this and whether we can get upstream to provide care and services so that we don't, you know, back where we were two years ago where we are just in a climate sense uh, this uh, uh, situation in that space as well but really appreciate as i said that we we'll them pulling together to try to uh, work through this time that's been uh, fairly taxing for all uh, as you heard uh made a reference so uh, absolutely to the dashboard um so nothing really to to point out on the uh dashboard I, well i shouldn't say that month to date um on the access uh, a lot of uh, great performance at two like year-to-date which is getting us through june in some cases some of the uh, Dates are still may as we work through, so September is usually the last one we'll in uh, current fiscal year. But uh, access, uh, by and large, uh, really good performance for the year. Uh, Only one metric where we didn't quite achieve the goal, and, or I said, didn't achieve the goal, and, and two where we were uh, really close uh, and to some excellent work in our ambulatory care leadership. Uh, we were within sort of a small margin of error, 2% uh, of hitting our target on uh, no, uh, our no show rates a primary care and uh, especially care, but 2% below that uh, target. Uh, You see gray uh, for the financial metrics, as you know, um, uh, we had some uh, challenges with closing our books in May and June, uh, largely due to some reprocessing of significant amount of claims uh, in the tens of thousands uh, from the Alliance for um, uh, the new contract uh, and that happened both in May and in June. Uh, Nancy and the finance team have been kind of working diligently to uh, work through that and kind of elucidate, uh, I should say concurred to that too, uh, some identified uh, uh, concerning trends with some of the uh, uh, revenue numbers that we we're seeing. And so uh, some of that we think is uh, associated with those claims that we're also looking at whether there's some other structural challenges that were, uh, uh, problems that we were identifying. And so uh, as we work our way through that and the team to clean it up, uh, they're just about there, uh, we're looking to be done next week. Uh, Nancy and I met uh, for quite a while yesterday, and she with the team again today. Uh, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be providing you with an update uh, uh, before uh, September, but also uh, in more detail in September's uh, finance committee and the subsequent uh after that. Uh, on the quality side, uh, uh, regretfully, not a not a very uh, successful month uh, compared to prior months. We uh, didn't hit any of the targets at the end from our quality uh, metrics in the month. Uh, year-to-date, uh, still uh, a good uh, falls uh, uh, prevention, uh, or falls reduction efforts in the behavioral and post-acute uh, spaces in particular. Uh, June was a particularly uh, difficult month in the acute setting for falls, uh, uh, but happy to say we've redoubled our efforts working with Dr. Um, saying um, and the quality team as well as all of our nursing ladies, leadership across the site. And uh, uh, as we wrap up June... Uh, Trauma team to the ER, level one, one, one
9: late, ETA, eight minutes. Trauma Team to the oh, ER,
20: level one, ETA, 12, eight minutes. Fall seriously, but only 12, so we're reestablishing that um, that track record that we had, we've had. we been experiencing for the latter part of the, uh, the fiscal year. Uh, uh, Fishing experience, mixed results there, and our network uh, hit achieving both targets for both home and home health. Sorry about the uh, alliteration there, but uh, uh, both our programs performed well, uh, both month-to-date and year-to-date, and then uh, a little mixed bag in quality. we had. Uh, really good uh, performance on um, on the uh, um, time to recruit. Uh, uh, for year to date, we achieved the target, uh, uh, but on turnover, uh, uh, fell uh, short at the mark uh, for year uh, to date. Did you some transitions that occurred at the end of the year? Uh, so moving right along on um, system updates. So we've been going, as you heard uh, referenced during some of the public comments, uh, we've been doing our biannual employee forums. We are about eight forums in. Uh, I've done five of them in uh, uh, Tender and Brigham as uh, uh, graciously stepped in to do uh, three of them uh, thus far. Uh, They've been very well uh, uh, received from my, my perspective uh, the feedback we're getting from staff and the engagement I think has actually uh, exceeded my expectations. People have been uh, uh, very um, attentive and um, uh, open about uh, some of the things we're talking about, which are how we closed out last year, some of the things we accomplished that we set out to do, and how we're tracking into this year, uh, people talking about challenges that they experienced at their particular sites, whether they're around uh, recruitment or uh, pursuing uh, job opportunities or safety, uh, has come up at a couple of sites and uh, a couple of other opportunities that we've been very good about uh, as Terry and the team help us. Uh, following up on certain uh, or feedback questions that we get from people. And all in all I think it's been really good. The last one. Uh, we did it was yesterday out at uh, Eastmont, and uh, the day before that uh, was over at uh, Fairmont, and so, uh, uh, or was yesterday at Fairmont. Fairmont. I mean, was uh, okay. like, we love you, Detroit. And, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry about that. Uh, but but they've been going really well, and I think staff something to appreciate it. And the, the other thing I'll mention at this point is, you'll recall that at the end of the year, I uh, implemented with your uh, uh, support um, uh, some, Smaller, more intimate uh, staff people by invitation only, and sit down and talk with ten staff members and just kind of have an informed discussion about how things are going and can get some. It's an opportunity to get feedback, and it's a diverse group of uh, physicians, other uh, clinical staff, and non-clinical staff. And, uh, we're having our second one in uh, I think the, is it the second week of August or first week of August, Se- August 17. Uh, thank you. Uh, so we're looking forward to that as well. Um, just to con- uh, uh, talk about uh, how we wrapped up uh, fiscal year 17, uh, you'll recall when we started the budget, or wait, fiscal year 18, sorry. This is what happens when you do this, um, <laughs> uh, but fiscal year 18, uh, we had a lot of, actually a fairly uh, um, successful year in terms of a, a lot of critical initiatives that we're advancing our strategic plan. Uh, uh, as you know, Epic Selection, we launched a big, uh, a uh, uh, point of uh, pride for your organization uh, uh, that you have actively supported and we appreciate. Uh, prior performance, while we didn't, um, we're not anticipating, we'll know in September where we landed, we're anticipating getting, I think, uh, 53 of the 57 targets, or 53 or 54. So I, I, you know, I shudder to say that that's bad that performance, we've actually done uh, quite well. Uh, some of the other two uh, performance targets, or three performance targets were quite, uh um, tough for us to reach, uh, not despite the best efforts, but uh, a lot of great work in the quality space to address some of those big performance efforts. Uh, I won't go through every last one of them, but just to see uh, a lot of stuff home that, both homes, primary care being reestablished on the island, our clinical standardization center, many of these you've heard about. And then I just aside another the other side, uh, as we said, just that uh, bandwidth is a really good concern for you and for us, and uh, really with Epic uh, really kicking into even uh, Higher year uh, as we go through this year, uh, we made a conscientious decision. We weren't adding anything else. So, there's a lot of uh, ongoing things that uh, uh, we started last year that will continue uh, into uh, next year, with the exception of one paper performance program, the incentive program or QIP. Uh, that was basically something that we'll, we all have to be to as a form of uh, continuing to get supplemental payments. So, uh, we've been sharing this in forums and uh, good feedback and appreciation for this work and celebration of the efforts of uh, staff across the system. I want to talk about one in particular, uh, uh, primary care capitation. Uh, So uh, you'll recall back in April, this is our effort to move towards alternate payment methods, but also to uh, go upstream and really uh, provide proactive, continue to provide proactive care to our patients, including those who are uh, well. Uh, So in April of last year, uh, newer BRAVE staff and leadership at Newark uh, went first and that was for about 10,000 uh, capitated lives from the alliance that we are doing primary care, or assigned lives from the alliance that we're doing primary care pack. In uh, uh, next week, we'll be doing it for Eastmont, and I think as well, it's, it's like 12,000 lives. 12,000 lives at uh, one So, Tanatoin uh, and Paula and uh, the clinical leadership have been working closely with everyone to prepare for this uh, work uh, uh, and be ready to continue over the course of the year. Uh, December it will be favorite uh, uh, and then uh, March of next year uh, Highland. And then uh, just, to, just to let you know some of the metrics, so we participate in the Alliance's Paper Performance Program with all the other plan members, but specifically related to our primary care capitation efforts. Uh, we have new targets and metrics. Um, uh, one is around PCP visits per member per year. Uh, we have some baseline numbers that look at how the Alliance looks overall, how we look for the population we serve, and then uh, where we're shooting for over the course of the year. This is just the targets and the uh, uh, the dashboard that we set up for Newark, uh, which actually we worked out an arrangement where while we started in April, we had sort of a grace uh, period of April through uh, the end of June where we were ramping up our efforts and continuing staff preparedness and uh, uh, sort of protocol development. Uh, and a lot of work is happening to make sure that we get these targets where we're getting primary care visits up for the, uh, those 10,000 lives who are assigned to us. Uh, We're looking at in-network use of specialty care services, which we're we're pretty good in this space, but uh, we have about a 10% improvement target there. Uh, Initial health assessments, uh, um, uh, target to increase that by 10%. Uh, Third, next available appointment, uh, uh, actually, uh, it's sort of a a upside downside. We're in a sweet spot, uh, but we have the opportunity to perform if we um, uh, keep that from falling again and opportunity to, uh, do better if we can get it out of the In emergency room visits, we're well below the alliances standard for the rest of the community. And so the goal is for us to just stay uh, uh, below or at about where we are right now in those lives. So, uh, just do this is where we are. We'll be doing the same sort of uh, set up for Newark and all the other sites as we uh, moving right along to epic updates so as we do we give you a sense of where we are in the project so we're uh, at the tell at the in of phase one and the adoption phase which is a weird uh, um, sort of name but what that means is actually that's the phase in which we actually build the project so I'll be sharing with you a little bit more detail of what's been happening in uh, uh, the uh, phase one uh, we're actually finishing today the third direction series of direction setting meetings and as you know we've had hundreds of staff uh, participating in those efforts and I'll, I'll share them you. Five. The adoption phase which is the next one goes through December of this year. So that's the build of the system. And then uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about what's entailed in that. And then from there we go to testing uh, for the first few months of calendar Year 19 and training move on by, by the latter quarter of uh, 2019. Uh, Project status: so I always giving ethics assessment of where we are. This is their independent assessment and point out two things, four out of five, which means we're in good stead, where you know it's not five, we want five, but what four is good. And then the lower uh, red column there is always what I point to, where they're saying there's nothing that we're, we're, is is warranting uh, additional executive intervention uh, at this point, and so that's your sort of gold standard for saying to us, you're you're on target and you're on uh, you're, you're, uh, you're uh, on focus or in focus in terms of what we expect you to be at this point. Uh, oh, that's just it. Show you, I'm not duplicating the same report. This is what you mean. So. <laughs> 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 uh, project accomplishments. So the team is at about 95% recruitment. Uh, project training is on track. Uh, we These numbers have been increasing every month. Uh, we're excited about that, uh, both from the uh, perspective of uh, the people who have gone uh, and, and received their training, but even more so, the people who have gotten certification and the amount of certifications and so, uh, really got that number up to a high uh, amount. People are getting the training, and they're actually uh, passing the test, which suggests that we uh, recruited well, and we're getting some high caliber people who are actually preparing to be able to move us into adoption into building the system and, and making it uh, successful. Uh, as I mentioned, we've had three direction, uh, direction setting uh, sessions, uh, uh, and they're, um, the sessions that occur over three days and we can see how many sessions are actually occurring within that. The uh, restaurant setting three was uh, for, from Wednesday or Tuesday to Thursday of this week, 400 individual attendees and then across two different days a total of uh, 809 individual participants in uh, about 91 sessions. Uh, so these are the deep dives that we have people across our system uh, designing the system of the future across, uh, for, for how it will work for all of us. So, uh, it's been a really exciting effort and very, very great uh, engagement and participation across the board uh, from our providers and our, our staff uh, throughout the system. Uh, accomplishments, are on track, favorable to budget. Uh, data conversion uh, work groups are identified, assessors are going to be scheduled there. Our operational work groups are uh, on track to creating those groups, and particularly in pharmacy and a lot of the ancillary services, but mm-hmm. also uh, post-acute and emergency as well. Uh, I mentioned direction setting. Uh, we're doing a separate one for uh, uh, reporting that we're gonna to, that's happening at the beginning of August and in-user training strategy will kick off uh, in August as well. So training again doesn't start until uh, uh, the earlier part of next year, but the strategy for how we're going to approach that, we're starting to work on uh, planning that uh, next month. Uh, tapestry uh, which is the module that's for managed care, uh, direction setting is scheduled uh, for next month as well. Um, in um, uh, the next uh, session, sort of adoption, you can just get a sense of kind of uh, where the sort of uh, different uh, sessions will be occurring when EPIC will be on site. Uh, we do, I, I think I've said this before, but it, to the extent that any of you are interested and available and you want to uh, sit in on any of this or just kind of get a uh, window into uh, the sort of depth and engagement of the, of the work both for the EPIC team as well as the uh, uh, subject matter experts and staff across the system, you're more than welcome just reach out and let me know where they've uh, you the team and so you be happy to uh, uh, kind of, uh, bring you into it. Um, again, Epic on site uh, uh, to help us with the sessions, uh, working with our staff to make sure that we're able to be consistent with the learnings that we're getting from our directions and sessions, as well as other uh, surveys and uh, other material we provide to them thus far. Uh, this is the budget. Uh, I'll show you uh, the uh, apologies for uh, the visibility here. we uh, the slides, but the upside is that we are uh, running uh, behind budget, meaning below budget. Uh, as uh, far as so we're, we're uh, uh, performing uh, in, the, in the green zone. So, nothing, nothing concerning that is this the uh, talk, talk briefly, you know, on the agenda, i kind you not named yet? Uh, sorry? You're not named uh, yet? Terry's not here, I can't tell you. <laughs> uh,
1: do you, do you know Joe, do you have it? Yeah, in
20: September. All
1: right. But at least you have- There the is record. coalescing
20: around a uh, name that I'm particularly excited
5: about so really? oh, Pecos Babies. No it's or not. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's I may regret that. that. But I did did
20: that. I tell you that one of the uh, submitted the submissions was Zoe's EHR, which I think I like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so that didn't win. And that didn't make the final So, so but, like. but Kelly's EHR. <laughs> that was a <that> winner. <laughs> <great. Yeah, laughs> yeah. yeah. Not at all. That's not, it's neither. Uh, but I hope you love it. Uh, uh, and that's all I'll say about it. Uh, county agreement. Uh, uh, Have to say, draft document. Uh, it says nearly complete. Actually, I should know. It completed. Uh, the key terms uh, we referenced and we talked about in the finance committee. Um, uh, we talked about here as well, uh, so they didn't uh, change uh, from the last time we discussed it. And as we mentioned, uh, it's in your package for July for your consideration. Um, um, oh, I thought I had a. Little bit about that, but uh, but that's essentially it. And next steps will be that it will come uh, at soon as it passes out of this group, uh, that it will go to the Board of Supervisors for uh, uh, consideration. And once it's implemented, then we have the steps as an engineer to do some follow up to create that pipeline or pathway by which we will uh, convey uh, uh, both routine and emergency facilities for uh, EHS and so and then a couple of other things that we have to do. Like, uh, but that's it. And so, with that, I'm happy to entertain any questions about that. Or any
0: questions? Lord, any questions? All right. Thank there you. you go. Thank you. Um, we are on to our consent agenda. Motion to approve. Second. All right. <laughs> all in
24: favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Uh, we're on to healthcare for the homeless. David Motorsbach, come on up. Yeah, so uh, as David's coming up, I'll just go ahead and uh, give just a, a quick introduction uh, to this. So uh, most of you were on the board uh, back in October of, uh, or the fall of 2016, when we went through the process of establishing this joint co op board with board of supervisors to oversee the health care homeless program. Um, and David Motorsbach uh, is uh, with the county. He works on a regular basis you know, with the commission, so he's here today the Give you a report on what has uh, been happening with the commission, uh, and to also you know address some questions around you know how this board wants to interact kind of with the commission with regard to fulfilling its oversight duties. Uh, some of you will know that this was initially at we to presented to the TPSC, and the decision was that this should come to the board. So deciding you know who should get this report, how often this report should come in, and what should be the nature of it, and then I think David also you wants know, to talk you know about this board's interaction. Well, too. So, uh, without any further, I'll turn it
3: over to him. Thanks, by, Mike. By officially giving him the thing.
9: <laughs>
3: um, I yeah, like I, like Mike said, I'm David Motorsbach from Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program. A little bit. This will be a little bit more of a um, kind of on the ground view of what what the Healthcare for the Homeless Program is doing. I want to take the, the the moment just to also show a little bit of the, the structures of our of our health center and our relationships and how we operate a little update about um, homeless health care services provided by ahs um, homelessness in general and then like mike was saying governance questions and how we can kind of work and steer this beast um, the he- alameda county Healthcare for the homeless program is a health center program. It's a a federally funded HHS Health and Human Services health center program. Not unlike a lifelong medical care, Asian health services, et cetera, we're a a health center. Um, We're different because we're based in a health department and because we include a hospital system. Um, And we focus on people experiencing homelessness. Um, That makes us different than a lot of the, the regular health centers out there. But um, as you know we've been funded we've been funded since 1988 when we started our health center um HS was part of it our hospital system our ambulatory care clinics were part of it in 1999 that split off we kept that arrangement that those relations through what's called a subrecipient relationship which I'll, I'll reflect on briefly um, and when we started doing this work, we thought we would be ending homelessness within a certain amount of time um, and that this was a temporary thing. And we thought that until about five or six years ago, actually, and now we're, we're in a situation where we're looking at a, at a federal commitment to continuing homelessness for, for as, as far as we can see down the road. So that has really actually changed our per- perspective and our, our work as, as a health center, as a homeless health center. That idea that homelessness is not going to go away in the, in the foreseeable future—it's um, just going to be getting worse for a little while. Um, the scope of our project is people experiencing homelessness. That number is growing in Alameda County. We are seeing, estimating, some 22 to 25,000 people, in Alameda County residents, will experience homelessness um, in this year and this last year. Um, according to the definition of homelessness, that includes people that are doubled up, that highly, highly represents people that are in families, children, um, working, working people. It's not just people that you see on the streets, but it's a whole. It's about one and a half percent of our population right now will experience homelessness in a year. Um, our scope of services of our health center is locations about 15 different clinic and portable care locations throughout the county. So our, our scope is the entire county. We have a scope of services that are provided, and that's a goal of getting primary care health homes for all, all folks, providing behavioral health care services, dental, substance use enabling services, and specialty care services to people that are experiencing homelessness. Can I just get
5: a clarification? How does, how do, does this is this part of Alameda County Care Connect or is this is this Alameda County Care Connect there's
3: this um, is an, our health center is housed in the Alameda Co- County Health Care Services Agency right we are not Alameda County Care Connect that's a, a larger a separate project initiative which
5: does similar things it also provides health care for homeless housing services so it's completely it separate so, so okay. yeah
20: care connect is a part of the 1115 waiver, so it's the right. uh, whole person care initiative. It's Alameda County's name for their whole person care program. And the whole person care program does take care of uh, <coughs> a services for a um, uh, uh, high utilizing uh, uh, portion of our Medi Cal population. And so there are different bundles within there. There's a housing one uh, and a services one. Yeah. 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 So, so. There are some overlaps in the population, obviously, but it's two different programs. This is about the clinics, basically. And, right. uh, and this is a, a
3: larger group of people from from the couch surfers to wherever. Where AC3 is going to be more focusing on high high utilizing, literally homeless folks. That's it. That Unsheltered. Yeah. Unsheltered. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Um, the way that our health center provides its its homeless healthcare services throughout the county, is three ways. One, we have directly provided services that our county healthcare for the homeless program provides. So um, an, an interesting example of that is our street health program, where we send psychiatrists, clinicians, outreach workers into the streets, into the into the encampments, and provide direct services on there. Um, the second way that we provide our health center services is through subcontracts with community providers, other FQHCs, other other community-based um, other community-based organizations, um, such as Lifelong, our Trust Clinic in downtown Oakland, Fourteenth and Franklin, um, contracts with Tri City Health Center, Abode Roots, La, La Clinica, dental contracts. So we provide a lot of our care through contracts and then the third way is through our subrecipient relationship with Alameda Health System, to, who provided actually the majority of our patient, our health center patient care um, last year. Combined, that means that we touched about 7,500 patients last year. We, we ranged somewhere between 7,500 and 9,000 patients touched every, every year. Last year we had a record number of visits, 41,000 visits overall. Um, Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah um, so, Alameda Health System is our key subrecipient. And what is a subrecipient? It's we, we get a federal grant that gives us a lot of federal um, perks and incentives for being a health center. We pass on some of our federal funds to AHS, and we, we maintain a subrecipient relationship and a, a legal contract relationship with AHS in which AHS must meet all HRSA health center requirements. Second, it screens patients as experiencing homelessness in in the different sites throughout their people. As as a patient comes into AHS and they're screened by eligibility as a person experiencing homelessness, that range again from doubled up to literally homeless, all inclusive. Folks are treated, we have sites on our scope of services, so the outpatient clinics, Highland Wellness, Same Day Clinic, East Mott, Newark, Hayward, and our mobile services are all sites on our scope of services for homeless, for people experiencing homelessness provided with um, primary care and specialty care, all the different services that, that I mentioned before. The services that are within our health center grant status are on our scope of services, so there's so that's pri- that's primary care, enabling services, dental care, etc., and some specialty services that we're adding more and more specialty services to our scope of services to reflect an increasingly aging homeless population and an inco- a, and a population with increasing medical needs. Um. Can you sense mm-hmm. on
0: what some of those increasing medical needs are? The trend.
3: Yeah. With with a, with a patient a population of people experiencing homelessness that are increasingly aging, that doesn't mean that homeless people are getting <coughs> older, but it means that people are entering homelessness at an older age. Um, that's that's kind of one of the first things. And so as we're seeing our average age of homeless patients, when I started doing this work in 1989, it was about 30 years old. Our average age is over 50 years old. Now that's the median year. So people below that, so it's a, it's a much, older population with a set of morbidity and and impairments that are equal to those of people that are 20 or 30 years older than them that are housed. So people are, are needing especially and then people that are experiencing homelessness at a younger age are often co have comorbidity of hypertension, diabetes, and a lot of other stuff which which all of these things combined makes them need specialty services, um, endocrinology, GI, stuff like that, um, that that we're trying to bring into that larger set of services that are available to people experiencing homelessness. Um, we have to also demonstrate our county-based health care for the homeless program has to demonstrate oversight and monitoring of AHS to make sure that it's meeting all of the HRSA requirements. Um, when we get all those things together, and we have a compliant health center that includes the the subrecipient AHS, that that means that AHS at its at its sites on our scope of services is able to bill at FQHC rates for its primary care services, and at, at, at those those five different sites, um, that's really important, um, and we recognize that that's that's a that's a really important thing that we're all kind of working in together, not just providing the homeless healthcare services, but supporting the entire safety net system. Um, So we provide our oversight through contract monitoring. We work really closely with the um, Homeless Coordination Office, Heather McDonald Fine, passing our grant through there and watching the reporting and making sure that that's all working. They're reporting to us FTEs, costs, revenue that's associated with the homeless Health center population—that's a subpopulation of your ambulatory care system. Um, there's, and the HS Ambulatory Quality Council is overseeing also the quality of services provided to the general population and focusing where, where, and when they can on the homeless um, health center population as well within there. Um, Moving along. This is a quick review of just last year, last calendar year, AHS reported to us that, they, that you all served 4,500 people experiencing homelessness at your set 7 six, one, two, three, four, five, 6 7 sites on your HRSA scope of services, Eastmont Highland, same day, Hayward, Newark, Mobile Health, and the Highland specialty clinics. Um, that was, And that's about 21,000 visits. Um, those are health center patients receiving health center visits and services at, at AHS. Um, and a total of 64 combined FTEs of AHS staff supporting that care, 340 different clinicians touching homeless patients throughout the system a, at a cost of about $10 million the HS, out of, of which there was seven seven million dollars in revenue reported for those for those visits and three million dollars in uncompensated or I don't have the, the right financial terms for that. Um, there are there's homeless services and care that happens outside of our health center um, within HS. So for example, John George, emergency department, um, right now, the dental clinic is an example of a clinic that's not on our scope of services, and that we want to move into our scope of services. Um, Fairmont, etc. There's places, um, Alameda, San Leandro hospitals. The hospital inpatient is not on our scope of services. It, it's the outpatient clinics that are that are our scope of services. But they're not
1: right because they're not FQHCs. Who the other hospital? Right, the hospitals.
3: Inpatient here, no, out, out, um, well, Highland Wellness and Same Day Clinic are FQHC. They are on our scope of service. But not here. Alameda. But not so Alameda. Alameda, Alameda, Alameda. Nothing that happens at Alameda and, Alameda and San Diego and San and are on. Or our just mm-hmm. And I have a question, by any
18: chance,
25: are you also expecting for Sutter and Kaiser to engage with you to support
3: them? We are actually working with them to help them develop their commu- their community, health assessments, um, that, that engagement, that higher level engagement is on a higher level than, than I can really speak to. Um, but Kathleen and, and Nancy are engaged on those levels um, for sure. But we
25: just want to make sure they're doing their part,
3: Yeah.
0: David, right? <laughs> I'm curious, I'm um, oh, sorry, back on your mm-hmm. utilization. Um, I know that, so it looks like Eastmont's the, the place, right? As far as our, what we're providing, the total visits is definitely that's the lion's share. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in Oakland, the, the the majority of homeless are actually more concentrated in the West, or larger encampments are unsheltered. Right. Who's meeting that need? Is that all going through your trust clinic, or is there a West Oakland provider, or, <coughs> you know, Southern,
3: uh, I'm curious <coughs> There's a lot of need for, Healthcare and housing services for people experiencing street street homeless um, street homelessness. So you see a lot of people that are street are street homelessness. A lot of the people that are getting care in our health center are not necessarily those same people. Right. There are the families, the doubled up, the people you know going place to place. Um, however, a lot of people do access Eastmont. The other places that 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 people are getting healthcare are in our trust clinic, which is really focused on a very high need section of that population of street people, people that are street homeless, indigent without um, that are that need documentation of disabilities and legal assistance just to to get approved for disability, need housing assistance, behavioral health, substance abuse services. So that's a small but important population. A lot of those folks are going a lot of folks that are experiencing homelessness in the North County are going to lifelong West Oakland Health Center. and there's a lot of people that are still unconnected to care. That that a lot of outreach needs to happen to connect people to care.
0: And can you break these numbers down by sheltered versus unsheltered? I mean, not right now. If you can't, but I mean, do, yeah. do you have that data?
3: That data comes to us through, and, and this will be kind of one of the things that I that I'll kind of m- some of our conclusions of areas of improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way that this this data comes is a patient at eligibility registration, they're asked that information at every visit, and depending on how accurately that information is captured, um, that will give us a- accurate information. By far, when we are talking about our homeless health center, the largest population of people are, red- are, are enrolled or registered as doubled up. It's about 80% of of AHS homeless patients are doubled up in some sort of way. And about 20% are homeless, shelter, street, motels, placed um, in that kind of, that category.
19: I I would expect the opposite would be true for ED visa. 80% would be more street homeless. Yeah. And
3: 20% would be uh, more double up. Thanks. All right. Um, as especially Mike, Joe, and Kinkini know, they helped us out, you all helped us out in developing the, a governance structure for our county-based, HRSA-funded health center program. We have all, we have always had, we've been guided always by our board of supervisors as a a county-based health center. But a few years ago, HRSA changed its rules and said, no, you actually have to have a community-based governing board to run your health center. So that was really complicated for everybody involved. And um, we all worked together to to develop what's called a subrecipient agreement and the creation of a co-applicant governing board that governs our health center services that splits the authority and the governing power over our health center population and our health center services between three, be, between three key entities, the board of trustees, in other words, over all of the services that happen to the 4,500 to 5,000 people that are treated at AHS sites, between the board of supervisors, everybody else, and the he- Health Care for the Homeless Commission and each, each of those entities through that subrecipient agreement have authority over different areas of our health center. So the Board of Trustees retains financial and personnel authority over its health center activities. The Board of Supervisors retains its financial and personnel authority over our program. And but the commission, which is um, a, a, a community board that was that's recruited and supported by our program but actually governs our health care for the homeless program has authority over health center operations procedures hours fee- fees they hire and fire our director stuff like that so in a way the health or well not in a way but absolutely the health health care for the homeless Commission would have authority and oversight over the policies and procedures that homeless a, that guide the, the treatment of homeless patients. And w- when and if they decide to extend that authority, which they're in no, no way trying to do right now, they can come to the board of trustees and say, we want to see changes in the way that homeless services are provided at, at AHS, at clinics on our scope of services, in services on our scope of services. Um, that's a long ways down the road because our board, our Healthcare for the Homeless Commission, is a new commission that's still feeling out and learning this extremely complicated set of of relationships and oversight um, for our Healthcare for the Homeless program, so, so and they've been doing that for about a year and a half. Sorry,
23: David. Mm-hmm. So this commission is really satisfying the first requirements. Yes. They have. Yeah. local-based board so do you, have, do you have consumers on this board is
3: We have um, the way that we have our arrangement is that we have a, a another consumer advisory board a very active and involved consumer advisory board that has one seat on our um, health care for the homeless Commission a permanent seat there so we have a consumer plus others if, if needed but right now one consumer on our, on our community board
26: so the requirement is the right. Excuse me the 338
3: requirement. Yeah. And that, that's a re, that's a, re, a required thing. Actually, it's oh, so not. We received yeah.
23: a waiver in order. That to that
3: that waiver as a, a normal health center has to have at least half of their board be consumers of their health care services. Um, because we are a healthcare for the homeless program, we have a waiver of that requirement. So we have one consumer on our board of nine members, nine plus mm-hmm. members. Right. so that's what our governance structure looks like um, and these are the names of our health care for the homeless commissioners there's nine commissioners right now um, we are interested they are interested in connecting with the, the board of trustees that's that's a goal of our health care for the homeless Commission and that's something that we're still kind of working towards developing that capacity um, on and then I was I made this this little presentation because I was going to be talking to the QI quality folks, but um, I do did want to end with a couple um, couple questions, some of the, the the key questions. The first one is just an always important work is the is proper screening of people experiencing homelessness where they are. That's tough work to do. Heather is really involved in that. Uh, that's ground level work at all of our different sites to be able to do accurate, good screening for folks and then be able to get that information into your into your systems and have that information guide their patient care throughout their throughout their involvement in their healthcare stuff. So it's not just on the eligibility for reporting to us, but it's nursing and support staff know that this person might need extra help. That clinical, the clinician in the exam room knows that this person needs extra services that might be related to being homeless, and that their follow-up, social work, substance abuse, behavioral health care services, and housing services can be met as well. Um, That's all tricky stuff that we want to keep pushing along um, and see improvement on that level. Some clinics are providing more homeless care than others. Like you said, for example, Eastmont's doing a lot. There's other clinics, for example, Hayward Wellness, that we wanna see more engagement, more community access, more people in the Hayward area that are experiencing homelessness getting into, into Hayward Wellness specifically. And we're looking at ways to try to make that happen. We're gonna need help in the clinics, and we wanna build teams that can refer and get people to, to the clinic so they can get, they can use a clinic like Hayward Wellness as their base of operations, rather than having to go all the way to Tiberseo or up to Highland or wherever. Um, that's, that's a place that we w- really wanna see work. Um, we're, we're working hard to, to make sure that quality measures there's focus on homeless patients' quality, and that's that's been, we've been getting some success with that in the um, in the quality group here um, and patient experience. We're trying to find ways that people that are experiencing homelessness we can hear from them how, what is their experience like in the system right now. That's a hard thing to get from your patient experience questionnaires, which are long and don't really aren't really definable by people's homeless status. That's stuff that are our consumer board is, is very actively working on it and of great interest to our consumer board. And then, yeah, and then finally, how do we bring the Healthcare for the Homeless Commission and the Board of Trustees together to collaborate on that kind of joint oversight of our, of our homeless health center? Um, our program, really, we have, we're working, like I said, extra hard to do this emergency direct provision of street health services. That's been a big change our program in recent years, We like return back to the streets, um, back to the encampments and tents. Where we, that's where we started. That's where we're back at again, and this, at the same time, we have a vision of a, a coordinated system of care that we're part on the larger level working with the county and all these different things, the AC3 and all these different systems to try to get a, a co- coherent, coordinated system of care for people experiencing homelessness that brings together the criminal justice system, the mental health system, primary care, housing providers, the payers, develop stuff like a, a, a comprehensive and full respite care system for people being discharged from homelessness. There's a lot that's going on that our program is involved with, that our county is involved with, and that you all are involved with that, that we're going to keep pushing at. Um, finally. We get audited by the feds every three years for our health center to make sure that we're doing our job right, that AHS is doing its job in, in, in co- compliance with federal requirements. That audit is going to be happening in three weeks um, on August, between August 14th and 16th. And we have a good group of um, AHS staff that is going to be participating and mobilizing and getting their stuff together so we can show a compliance um, and strong health center. Um, so.
20: That's uh, that's an update. Yes. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, trustees, I, I just want to uh, in uh, David's last comment. Uh, um, the so I came just after the uh, uh, site visit last uh, the last site visit in uh, twenty fifteen. But uh, I'm told uh, and, and Heather informed me uh, that uh, person as expected there are some uh, board uh, representation, and I imagine now that we have the. Uh, the joint uh, board that the they have put the representation there but also with trustees. So I reached out to uh, two or three of you to see if we have an the schedule. If it's going to be opening or closing session. If it does not, please let him um, go on and I, I could work with um, the chair to see if there's someone else that would like to Did you say you did reach out and you will reach out? I, I know, I, I sent I a message. Uh, uh, perhaps. I
0: actually want to send it to the
20: the two of you or the three of you. Mm-hmm. Did you not get it? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll confirm. It, no, it sure. no, it may be me. I, that's okay, actually. I, but I'm pretty sure I sent it last week. Heather sent it to me like last Friday, so I, I sent it. When, when is it? It's uh, the 14th through 16th, I think, yeah. Yeah. First, Tuesday, or 14th? 14? Yeah. That, that's,
0: that'll
20: be the entrance, the
3: entrance conference. So we need someone for the entrance and we need someone for the exit
20: on the on the 60s, on Thursday morning. That's okay. Okay, so we may need someone. Actually, I thought if if you were around, I'll be on vacation. Okay, we'll work this out. We'll find some.
3: I'd I'd like to also just add that one thing I wanted to say um, is, you know, beyond working with the Board of Trustees and our commission to, to, to do that focus on the homeless health center population within AHS, we can, um, our, our board of our Health Care for the Homeless Commission really doesn't have somebody who is really looking out for AHS's interests and knows the AHS system. Um, we, have, we have, a member of our, of our board was, was, was supported and nominated by, um, by AHS, but we're still looking for a board member of our, of our Health Care for the Homeless Commission who can really speak to and take on um, AHS centric um, focus.
1: So you do have an
3: opening. So we we have openings. They just changed their board from nine to nine plus. So um, <laughs> so when when and when necessary, when the right person comes along, we can add get that extra extra strength in the, um, in the commission.
1: And if I can make a plug, I was there last year when you had the and but also for the debrief session that happened later on. It was just such an incredibly rich learning experience to be there. So if any of our other trustees want to do this, and we were just talking it at QPSC about equity metrics that we need to do in quality, so we'd be very happy to, you know, somebody from here be there to uh, represent us, our trustees. But it, it
0: can't actually be us, but on your board,
1: right? No,
0: no, the oh, course, uh,
3: visit. Oh, just a yeah, yeah, not on the board, I'm sorry, right. I, I No, know, you're on our board you can't be an employee of AHS right. um, or an or employee not of the, of the county, so yeah. That makes and it a little complicated. David, they had a couple of findings other than the
1: joint, this joint applicant board uh, at the last visit and how are we doing with the
3: other? The other one is that, you know, in two, three years ago when we had our last um, site visit, we didn't have a governing board and we didn't have a quality, a, a, a strong HERSA compliant quality um, system for our health center. And now we have one. Um, so we have a quality committee that in, within our HCH program that really brings together all of our contractors and our direct services providers um, and includes AHS um, in that. But we, we look, our quality committee is looking pretty much at everything but AHS and we look to the AHS um, quality, sorry, I always forget the name of your quality, board. Yes. Ambulatory Quality Council to really push quality within AHS. Thank you. I think
23: that you know the, I've been doing work with homeless people for a long time, and I think the, the, the challenge with healthcare is access. Um, and, uh, Quite frankly, the more disabled and um, isolated a homeless person is, the less likely they'll be welcomed in a, a health setting. Um, so I, I'm very interested in um, making sure that we do not participate <laughs> in excluding people from systems. And that sounds you know high and mighty. That's really hard to do. And we just let me just form it as a, as a question about how we could work together to make sure that we're um, a um, a home for people who are most vulnerable in our community. Uh, we see them now; they're right in our community, on the streets. And um, I, so I, I I don't have anything going on that. Just a question about how to get at that. Uh, in this joint effort, we're doing the other. The other concern I have, and another metric I would want to see us look at in this county. My organization works in five counties. This is the least organized county we work in. It's our home county. It's very troubling to see that, and it's primarily because we have not figured out how to integrate housing into healthcare, mental health, and other primary services that homeless people. need so um i think that would be the other metric how are we doing towards that over time uh, homelessness is completely solvable um we've got to have some cooperation from the state and feds as well but it is solvable and locally um if the feds and state got their act together tomorrow i don't think we'd be ready to, to solve it so i i for one uh, wouldn't see us participating in, that in continued mediocre uh, approaches to so, homelessness.
19: Uh my my question is that uh, it seems like uh, are we winning or oh, yes. We, do we see we're gonna turn the tide in this homelessness battle? No.
3: I'll defer to Kathleen for that <laughs> the
26: I'm uh, I'm Kathleen Clannan, I'm the medical director for healthcare services agency and also the lead for our local whole person care project as Mr. Finley mentioned uh, before. Um, So so, um, starting with with the more focused, um, we're going to be meeting uh, in a couple of weeks to talk about um, the county is pledging a million dollars to do placements of people who are um, inpatient or in either acute SNF or other settings within AHS's campuses um, for, um, to fund them for private placements um, and for um, services. So that's one particular thing that we're doing to start, starting there. We're also partnering um, around support of the Alameda Point Collaborative, which is developing a 90-bed respite that is for medically and psychiatrically disabled Homeless adults, and we have um, on the July 31st, we'll be making a, a large presentation to our board about an investment for um, for building and for um, supporting the development of, of additional units that'll be set aside for um, for um, people who are um, homeless and experiencing homelessness, in, a spirit, uh, in particular, unsheltered. And um, I would say, all, you know, all of that is going to make a difference. I think we're gonna, that, that it will be worse before it's better in the next couple of years. Um, we, are, we are working hard to coordinate better. One of the things that we're doing is investing in a community health record, which will tie together the mental health records, the substance use treatment records, the homeless management information records, the jail discharge records, the EMS transports. We now have all of those in one health information exchange. We're adding additional threads from the plans and other places so that we can have a single record on a single electronic page to see what all the contacts have been and who's working with this individual. All of those things are there. The the healthcare for the Homeless program existed before the efforts that we're doing now and it will live on after that for as long as there is a need for it. But these efforts are kind of the grout between these really important pieces of service. So um, I take, you know, I, I, you were right, that we, we have a particularly fragmented system. Uh, my uh, former boss said we institutionalized our fragmentation. Mm-hmm. In part yeah, well as a result right. of the, as a result of the, um, as, as a result of the fact that AHS and the county are not one entity as they are in other places. And that has brought some good things and it has brought some difficulties. But there, there are big efforts that are going on to try to glue them together. And I would, ch- I, I will challenge you to say that, um, that if we in fact got got um, the resources right now, that we know exactly what to do with them, and that we have an army of people out there ready to work with people and ready to help them, and no places to put them right now, no places. We have no homes. I'd
23: like to talk to you later about that.
9: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, there are no further questions. David, thank, thank you, you so much. I'd say it's a pleasure working with you on the ground at times um, that, that we that we get those chances. Um, and I think it is important that we acknowledge that that it's um, the worst days, I think, for this housing crisis are yet to come. And we need to be really diligent at, in all aspects of government um, and in the private sector in making this our, our, our problem um, so that it doesn't become the norm. Uh, I was reading a, a history book recently, and I turned to a page from the 1920s and saw some pictures of Hoovervilles, and I realized that I, I walk through those same Hoovervilles here in Oakland sometimes, and it's, um, it, you know, it's just, it's, we, we, we cannot, um, we can't accept this is going to be the norm, that, that, that we're gonna have flavellas or Hoovervilles or whatever you want to call them, uh, and so it, it really needs to be the priority of every public and private entity that, that, that exists. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, so thank you for coming and waiting through our other business so that you can uh, talk about what we do, and the board, thank you for, the, for indulging and, uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very than much. you for your work
3: as well.
0: As well. Thank you. All right, I think we have one other discussion item set this in and not law off, are we on? E2. 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 E2, yes. Uh,
2: May I? Um, I, I want to remind the board and um, and uh, the administrators in the, in the community that I am an employee of OCARE Care and this discussion relates to Hope Care. So I'll ask general counsel, uh, is this a situation where I need to recuse myself?
24: Why? No, this, this is not uh, a session. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, seven, 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 Across the <laughs> so, uh, so there there is a memo in the packet which basically uh, summarizes um, some of the key points and findings of the permanent uh, uh, jury report. Uh, wasn't intended to cover everything in there, but you know was intended to cover the larger items that you know, seemed like they would need to be addressed in whatever response was provided. Uh, and then I had also uh, indicated in there. Um, uh, Sort of the telegraphing of what issues might be addressed in terms of the five recommendations that are set forth uh, in the report in terms of what um, would have to be addressed by our response to the report. So, so this session was designed uh, for a couple of purposes. One is that if there were questions that the trustees needed information on that might inform their thought for them about how the response should address the issues raised. Uh, or if there were specific items that you know, the trustees wanted to discuss or bring more attention uh, that they would like uh, or anticipate being uh, incorporated in any draft response and brought back and what we didn't want to do was prepare a response bring it in here and then find out the conditions that the law felt you know needed to be you know addressed uh, so there's no particular presentation you know i'm happy to answer any questions about any of the stuff that's in the memo um, to the extent that we are able to answer some questions that may be specific to issues that were raised there, we can attempt to do that, or we can just plan to be able to bring that information back to you all the way the draft in the uh, September I have a question, uh, and
25: that is, which committee would be the oversight of this contract?
24: So the, uh, you know, typically contracts are, <laughs> Or, or overseen by the finance committee. And so, uh, what happens, there's usually you know, two to three versions of oversight exercised by finance. Uh, there is the, you know, the the review of the contract at the time it's recommended to the board for approval. There are, are retrospective reviews of certain contracts uh, during the life of the contract or before they're to be renewed. And then I'd say there's a third level of review. Review which actually occurred in the case of this contract where in the process of developing the follow on contract there were reports and discussions around the issues being addressed in the course of development of the for this contract.
25: So I have a concern um, while I understand why this would be reviewed and uh, managed <coughs> by the Finance Committee And I think there's two ways in which this contract needed to have been reviewed. Certainly is it financially appropriate and all the checks and balances that normally happen for a contract. But this one in particular feels like it needs comments and review from QPSC because it impacts the quality of care if it isn't being managed correctly. And just wonder if we have any other instance uh at you in UNO know, where a contract like of this proportion isn't
20: given that kind of um, scrutiny because it's so violent. So so, uh, I well I I I I I go ahead. Let <laughs> me say something for your mic please please feel free
5: to uh chime in. Uh
20: so so just to be clear, any services uh, provided whether they are contracted or uh, represented through a collective bargaining agreement or not, uh, for a provider services are are the providence. I, I would uh, agree of QPSC. I don't I don't know that uh, in QPSC uh, the, the quality of the care that's provided is uh, is uh, reviewed from a contractual basis. It's viewed from the perspective of the, the core services or the quality targets or other ones that are related to it. I don't know that it would, it would be um, advisable to look at the services provided from a quality perspective from any in the, in the individual contractor uh, because those services are a mixture of, of uh, because the services that we provide are a number of contracts or they aren't contracts. And so it, it seems to be, a, be a somewhat disjointed to look at, uh, uh, outside of the broad rubric, which includes this contract and any other providers, is separate lens that looks at any one particular contract. Mm-hmm. But is there any other contract like
25: this?
20: There's uh, a labor agreement for UAPD for all of the uh, providers.
25: I don't I, I
20: have physicians. No, oh, yeah,
25: yeah. UAPD is physicians.
20: All right, there's a lot of TBH. traditional We have a volume We have We have a couple of. So so,
25: so all I'm 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 saying is, you know, it is such a huge contract that plays such a central role to our success in achieving our mission. Sure. I would expect that Ocare would come to us occasionally at least and say, here's how we're doing, here's what our, you know, um, uh, metrics are from the standpoint of the contract.
20: So one, one, I, 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 I don't know again from the from the perspective of the contract itself that is the type of thing that would be included in a retrospective review that would be done from a sort of not just a financial perspective but the performance of the contract itself uh, uh so it's not a clinical discussion but it is a discussion saying there are targets that were established and whether or not those targets were met the other aspects of the clinical elements of it though i would uh, submit are a component of what is being yeah, reviewed. the I I I hear you. Yeah,
25: right. of course. They're they're impacting our numbers, of course. Right. But there, there just seems to be a missing step there around getting a little bit more texture on how they're fulfilling the contract, which is what our responsibilities are. And it seems like the report suggests that we aren't really providing that kind of oversight. To that they want
22: to sure. I was just going to say that I think that those um, the, the reports that we that we get in QBFC from OB from medicine um, those are actually reflective of the open care yeah. contract. So um, I think that we are getting those reports, um, and it's you know informed by department, and in the same way that you're getting reports from the uh, from and about the UABD contracts because those are the
20: reports for how those how those wellness centers are doing. Or surgery, which was actually the UCSF. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I'd say to you, is just, oh, I'm sorry. Sure, sure.
21: I, was, um, I just want to uh, add a comment or maybe a question from the uh, medical staff perspective, at least from the discussions down in the hospital regarding physician contracts is that um, our understanding uh, for physician contracts is that uh, the Medical staff role is just to review and make sure that the appropriate clinical needs for the local uh, or whatever that service is needed uh, is met by by the contracts and, and not has nothing to do with and, and suggest some metrics that you know so so, so that it's uh, if there's a, a a provider contract that's upcoming or a change that that's where you know we get to review the the quality side of the contract Mm -hmm. in terms of how patient care is being delivered and that the needs are kept the same or, you know, made even better. Mm So
25: So, so let me play devil's advocate just a little bit. Let's say we have great quality metrics, but the cost of this contract is out of its scope or it's beyond where it's supposed to be. Who gets to
20: talk? That would have well if that would happen in the context of a finance committee review of the contract say whether or not uh, there's an appropriate rule review to say that the contract's fiscal terms are within the standard um, the fair market valuation that occurs with those contracts.
2: I, I remind one of the title of the QPSC, which is the quality and professional services committee, so I, I, I think this is a is is an area of dialogue that we that we should be having. Um, my second comment, and again, being being cognizant of my position as an employee of Ocare, is my read of 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 this of, of this injury report is it paints neither the system nor Ocare in, in in optimal light. And and my question to council is: Has dialogue been had with Ocare on some issues for which, again, I'm an employee of Ocare? So I, there are some things for which I would raise. Is that a valid statement? Question mark. And and maybe per discussion. With with O-care, I think that might shine some light. And then uh, you know, uh, your are council. I don't know where that applies in the situation. Has yeah. a reach out been made to OCARE?
24: Well, you know, I I think that there was some conversation between. You know, not... Yeah, yes, I know that. Yeah. Thank so you here. know, is as far as it goes. But so so first off, the you know a couple of you know additional things you know beyond you know what I you know put in the report you know. Um, there, you know, I, I believe that there are some some factual differences that we would have with what is you know, contained, in, <laughs> uh, you know, with regard to some of the statements of the report and also some of the conclusions of the report. Um, I think that, you know, the things that, you know, would appear to be significant, which I think in some respects, you know, the grand jury made some effort to at least balance, is a number of the issues that they raise concern not the current agreement with O'Pair, but then you know, the perception or the reality under the prior agreement with O'Pair. And there is a recognition in the report that those issues have been addressed. Some of the things that they sort of report to say have not been addressed, you know, one of those is, you know, the perception that there is some um, element of the agreement which is excessive in terms of, you know, the, what Oak Care is getting vis-a-vis the services that we we're being provided. Yeah, I, I think it's important you know, to point out that the report does make clear that you know an outside independent consultant verified you know, the conclusion that we had drawn before we entered into the contract that it reflected you know fair uh, or composition which was consistent with their market value principles. The primary issue that the <laughs> report seems to raise is you know the fact that the services in this contractor or the uh, value of this contract is 5% greater than the prior contract. Well, this is an entirely different contract, both in terms of, sort of the services that we are receiving, you know, and comparing, you know, a contract, you know, executed in 2014, which is one of 5%, you know, was re-executed or you know, executed um, in uh, 2017, I would say that a 5% increase is, is rather modest, you know, all things we mean. So, I think that, you know, what we will endeavor to do in the response is to to clarify, you know, some of these particular points, you know, in terms, the other piece that, you know, other than the cost, then, you know, the question of oversight, you know, there is a very robust process that we have in place that addresses the ex, or the, uh, the day-to-day implementation of that contract. And there is an administrative review by the contracting department, there is then, uh, a, you know, what we receive from OCARE care in terms of invoices for services is first reviewed within our contract department and then it is reviewed by both administrative leaders and clinical leaders to verify that the services that have been, for which payment has been requested have in fact been provided. Uh, and that's verified by interest people uh with each contract so it's not a question of we get an invoice from them and then we write a check and send it back to them and that basically the process which is laid out very in very much detail in the contract in terms of the forms that are required to be submitted to verify or to basically um you know identify the particular services whether they be clinical services administrative services or, or teaching services there that's all there and then that's verified by age as uh, you know, uh, the administrative leaders and clinical leaders before approving for paying this payment. So we'll be able to address those pieces uh, in the report as in uh, our response to the report as well So that's you know a little bit more broadly you know factual
0: information that I just need to know Dr. Braden I sense you have something to say. I call would,
18: me. so I would like to say something as the Chair of Medicine here at Highland and also an O Care employee. Which is that it seems to me that it behooves both AHS um, and Ocare to really point out the factual inaccuracies in this report on a step-by-step basis. Ocare has actually prepared a statement to outline some of the factu- factual inaccuracies, and it seems like the statement that is in the board packet isn't strong enough in terms of pointing out where there are some inconsistencies in the report. And again, it, it, that- it wasn't
24: intended to be. Okay, I, I just yeah. want to make clear. I this was just to basically sort of set it up for the board so they would understand what things they may want to ask questions about. So that's my i But Mike, wouldn't
18: spots. you agree that it behooves the interests of this organization and OCARE to actually set the record straight in terms of this contract that it's very transparent and that there were numerous steps that went, in, you know, as, as someone who was very intimately involved in, the, in this contract, numerous steps that were taken from a legal, financial, and oversight to provide this fair and transparent contract. Um, and I agree with your statement, every single hour of every physician's time is scrutinized um, every single month in an invoice, and nothing isn't paid until we can verify those services. And so I just feel like we should be strong in our response to this um, and really stand up for the work that went into this contract and the work that's being done on an ongoing basis um, to support it.
24: And, and when we prepare a response to this, hour,
18: and will there be yeah, partnership with Ocare on on the response?
0: Actually, yeah, I was gonna ask, is it our intention internally to work with Ocare on the response? Yes. Uh, okay.
5: So,
20: so, our CMO has been on leave for three weeks. And he <laughs> is the main conduit because the uh, discussion, so, so I wanna say a few things one. Our CMO has been the main conduit of the ongoing discussions between, uh, facilitated between, AHP and Okia for the path forward. that That's been an effort That's been underway since the last contract, or the current contract, has to say uh, has been signed. Uh, they had actually just met right before this um, decision came out. He proceeded to share that with uh, uh, the Okia leadership, and uh, I know there were some exchanges uh, uh, relative to that. And then he has been out, uh, we'll be back next week. We will be working with him and uh, them uh, to then. Draft their response. I will share. I, I do think that is Rachel uh, to your point. I think it. Um, uh, I think we'll have to decide uh, with a grand jury report, uh, as we have experienced before here. There are some some um, some strategies or, or thoughts around to what extent you argue that because it's not necessarily a back and forth. It's, a, uh-huh. it's an opportunity, obviously, from the context of the public to, to provide additional clarity or to provide uh, uh, context, but at the same time, it's an opportunity to say from the recommendation perspective, what of it we uh, accept, uh, what of it we are already addressing, or what of it uh, do we intend to address, and what what are, what are those actions we will take? Uh, I think uh, it's important for the board to know that those discussions that, uh, have been facilitated between AHP and O'Care, uh, uh for the last, uh, just over a year now, uh, have been designed from the perspective of trying to figure out what is the path forward and what's different than a contractual relationship. Uh, that one of the uh, uh, stated uh, 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 positions of AHS when we did the new contract uh, through AHP was that we intended to try to come to a consensus on a path forward that did involve the renewal of the no care contract uh, beyond this current three year contract. And the goal was to try to get there within, uh, ideally, the year and a half mark, which we are certainly approaching. And I've asked Dr. Jamal to um, uh, increase the frequency of the discussions uh, as we get closer to that mark uh, to try to see if we can reach a uh, consensus on a path forward. Uh, so can figure out. So, so I think that there is a, a, a some merit to uh, spending <laughs> some amount of time or some amount of effort in addressing the record in uh, a, a balanced way. I don't know how much uh, value or how much uh, additional credence we want to give to it by doing sort of a point-by-point point, argument like that. Then doesn't it's not like they're going to respond to us. The best that will end up doing is just making it more of a, for other individuals who would be inclined to, uh, to try to carry the uh, be beneficial. Them.
18: No, I understand yeah. that. There has to be, there's probably somewhere in between where we should land. Sure, um, sure. And but so we do
22: intend to work with OCARE too. That would be wonderful. To, uh, I think OCARE would wel- welcome that partnership. Sure. I think that's, except speaking, I'm also an OCARE employee, although I'm not on the board and I was not, not involved in any of the contract negotiations. Thank the Lord. Um, however, I do think that, I mean, it's interesting, so it, I spoke with the district attorney about the, the grand jury process um, and it was it was fascinating to learn sort of, you know, these 19 individuals came up with this report and they ostensibly, you know, interviewed people from both sides and that sort of thing. What's also interesting is that no one, they focused on a single contract, the OCR contract, and no one from Hope Care was interviewed not one. Well, but I understand
24: Why? that- they, True, it's they, absolutely right. but but, but their focus is on the agency. Correct. And their, their focus is on the agency and the, the operating of the agency and the decisions of the agency. So the fact that they didn't ask, you know, you know speak to folks, okay, they, they, I think from their perspective, you know, they would not necessarily think that they would need to speak to the other party to a contract if they're, if they're trying to evaluate, you know,
22: did these folks it's absolutely their prerogative, but we're we're all in agreement that there are many factual errors in the grand jury's report, which is just an interesting little it's an interesting knowledge thing. And and the grand jury is been disbanded, they are, they, will, they can't revise the report. That so it's not possible. Right. To be the only thing we do is a post response. But it's just sort of an interesting process point like, that like they clearly got it wrong. And I spoke to the A is so sometimes there's collateral damage, and in this case, it looks like a collateral damage So, so I. I,
23: I so someone's been around one was counting and this is not an isolated uh, yeah. uh, circumstance right. and I believe strongly in, in grand jury believe uh, strongly in public processes like the one we have I also know that it's not perfect and uh, I think it's uh, the, the answer somewhere in the middle uh, but I think it needs to be answered uh, pretty straightforwardly uh, the other examples I can think of um, you know it's not helpful to the community to have uh, misconceptions and actually mistruths and, and quite frankly leaps in faith in terms of their assumption that, that their conclusions out there in public and, and they you sort of have an obligation maybe staff sees this differently I, I, as a you know citizen who serves on this board i just think that we have we have some obligation to um, making sure these processes improve over time
0: Wait, our processes or the grand jury's uh, All, certainly both, but uh,
23: particularly the grand jury's uh, yeah. processes because they comment on, you know, very complicated, uh, you know, sophisticated processes um, sometimes uh, a very hit uh, and miss. I mean, the grand jury reforms, I believe, every year. So yeah. it's new people. They're They're, you know, they're active, thoughtful. Uh, citizens, but uh, some of these issues, you know, I've been on this board for a little bit now and I feel like it's going to take another three years to understand some of the things we talk about here. I wouldn't want to come to, I wouldn't want to be charged with coming to conclusions about something like the (laughs) Ocare contract, for example, but that, the grand jury actually does that. So I think we do need to, we have sort of a moral obligation to participate in clarifying uh, and, and owning uh, the way I would say this is that we should own where we, we can do improvement and clarify where
19: the uh, report went way off track. Okay. My, uh, yes. my comment that when you become too big of a target, you become a target. So I think and, 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 what happened here is that all care, you know, more than fifty percent of the contracted service here. So they, they maybe, you know, I'm just going out there. Maybe there might be overpayment on one specialty and underpayment on the other specialty. And maybe if we can just break up, you know, each individual services, you know, medicine, OB, pediatric, and you be more much more transparent to whoever's looking at it. Saying that uh you know uh, they they appropriately managed and if not, we can point out uh, the specific parts, not the whole yeah, no, whole care contract. That's my comment. Thank you.
0: So, um, I really appreciate the dialogue here. I don't know how much more we want to uh, get into it. Um, yeah, I'm not always really happy with what the grand jury comes out with. And I, you know, I look at the picture of them on the front page, and I don't know how well they reflect the community. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I had to make that comment. Um, so, um, I think it's great. Uh, it, there's some privilege. No, oh, there's a lot people of people could
23: take the time to serve.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, I think it, it's great that we're going to work in staff in partnership with the leadership on the response. I think being a little bit more forceful with the, the um, inaccuracies uh, is 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 good. I, Mostly to show our support for our for our process and for our doctors, because if in fact there's inaccuracies, we need to call it out publicly. Um, otherwise, yeah, anyway, as I'm saying, I want to be diplomatic, but not too diplomatic, because I'm more concerned about our relationship with our providers than the relationship with this particular grand jury that will be receded next year. Um, when, and, and especially since they they did acknowledge a lot of progress that we had made, and I think we need to. We need to cultivate that part of the response even more, you know. Uh, so those are my thoughts and you're giving me a grumpy look. Oh no, I'm sorry, it was just uh I'm sweet Sorry. Any other thoughts on that? Um, I'm just very I got it, I got yeah. it. Yeah. What? what will
12: be the process
25: then, Mike? Are you gonna prepare a memorandum and show it to us? And- <laughs>
24: So, um, the uh, the response is, um, we arrange to have uh, until after the next board meeting to submit the response. Um, so, and I will, uh, you know, draft the response and it will be, um, on the agenda for the September board meeting. Okay. And we
25: can give you feedback you on that.
24: Uh, that's clear that <laughs> <my> <laughs> Yeah, that's different than <laughs> No, 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 I'm no I'm just I I am I'm, I'm just saying that there because yeah, 'cause I'm, I was just trying to think in the to it top of my head what the the actual date of that meeting is. Uh but if there's If they're you know, if there's other things that need to be added to it or change, you know, there would be the do that and then but um you know, I, I think yeah perhaps you know the thing that might, well,
22: uh, yeah, we can just go along with that. Uh, it's almost like we need, like you know, like a House and Senate conference committee to sort of merge the two documents, or at
20: least have them both both sides.
22: Yeah. Well, we, I, I think that would think we have have entire document, yet
20: So there, there isn't one. That we we do. They yeah, do. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. So so I don't think we have to create one separately and then merge them. I'm like saying we can, as we're we, we can sit with you and. and and as we create one, we can we can have some dialogue around it, you know, elements of that get incorporated
22: or, or down to a joint you know, so. So there are two drafts, there's a draft that was here. This, no, this, this is, is, not, this this is, is not, this is a not
24: a draft. This is a report to the board about the report and what was needed to prepare a response. And I would
0: thank mean, you. I understand, Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, thank you for bringing this forward. I, I think that this was, uh, maybe a little premature, and I, I kind of pushed it, at Mike said, look, I think you need to kind of give us a sense of where you're going before we break in August. Um, so, um, he gave us some framing. I don't think there's anything there's final about okay, it. Okay, I'm sorry, we might um, home. Yeah, home. Yeah. I'm on a Yeah, yeah, and that was before we'd seen the Oak Care, um, uh response as well, uh,
19: so.
18: Um, we look forward, as a member of the Oak Care Board, we look forward to the opportunity to partner with you, Mike, and Del Becchio on every month.
20: Awesome. We'll do that with uh, I think that this is always working uh, um, uh, closely
0: with uh, Bob, but we can work with through Bob to whoever he wants to
18: with. Bob, with me, we're all we're all exactly. the team, so exactly. it's
0: all, it's good. And we okay. look forward to the draft coming back in September.
26: Thank, thank
0: you. you. thank you. All right. I think we're on to our. Um, sorry, I just got to log back in. Um, where are we? Uh, we are on. Uh, the consent? No, it sounds terrible. No, uh, action. Item. Oh, staff reports, right. Sorry. Right. Uh, well, these are written. Uh, were we going to go over these? Yeah, uh, I've like? no, that. I Only as first comments. Does anyone have any questions on the staff reports? Great. So let's move to our action items. G1. Um, G1, and I understand that. Um, I we went over this in finance, uh, I, just want, I'm gonna, I would rather not have a long conversation at the front end but just entertain any questions about uh, um, the, the agreement with the county under um, the finance committee supports it. Um, I think, so I think This is in our first rodeo, so I, I'd entertain a motion, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay, all in favor? Okay. okay. Um, second item. Um, once again, it then in the packet. Um approved. Uh, okay. Second. All in favor? Aye. Uh, great. Aye. Right, motion passes. We get to keep working. Yeah. You yeah. guys are really Okay. We <laughs> right? can tell his wife. Yes. And not. context. I
5: think
0: uh, uh, is that it? Where are we going to close session, right? There, the information reports were all written uh, unless anyone has any big pressing questions like that, i think we can uh adjourn
24: the closed session yes yes and there's two items one a country matter under government code section <coughs>
22: excuse me 54957.9 and a uh performance
24: evaluation under 54957.